cheers to episode 41. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, Joe Mixon played today. Water. Water. Ditto. <laughs> ditto. First ditto of the podcast. Tonight is Sunday, October 10th. 2021. Thank you, Alex. Uh, 7.57 p.m. And we are five weeks into the Dan Campbell Detroit Lions regime. And he's already crying. Waterworks. Um, the tears, the tears are out five weeks in. What do you guys think about that? I don't care. Move on. I think it's ridiculous, but let's, yeah, I'm not going to, I like Dan Campbell, but you can't be crying. You know, I saw it and he didn't really cry. I think he cares more about his players than he actually does the outcome of the game. I think it was the emotion for, he cares about yeah. his locker room, not like, oh, he's crying because we lost. No, he's crying because of the emotions from the players. I'm sure some players were emotional after the game after we blew it, but we shouldn't. And but also, shouldn't you know, even in the game, it's the NFL. I don't, I don't really think we should be crying. I know. I get mad when like people cry in high school sports. I'm super conflicted on it because it makes me want him to succeed more, and I'd love to play for him because I feel like he really cares. You know what? I'm cool with it. You can't do like just this time. You can't do it really like again this season. I'm cool with it this time. I do love that he cares. I'm cool with it this time. No more times this yeah, season. No crying. But you can't be crying. That's my coach. And I'm going to back him up even more. I'm really pulling for them to win next week. I'm not going to be one of those negative Lions fans that roots for this whole thing to come crumbling down. Like Evan. Because um, if you just think about Poncho Man, how Poncho Man would have handled his press conference in this situation last year, probably would have called reporters idiots and said, uh, it's the player's fault for not doing our schemes. It might be embarrassing nationally to have your coach crying wearing his hat, like off his head sideways, <laughs> looking disheveled, but he's our coach. Um, besides that, before we get into more of the actual game, how was everyone's week <laughs> slash weekend leading up until this Sunday from last Sunday? My week was boring. As you, everyone that listens regularly, they probably realize I have a boring life. It's pretty much how you start every single. Uh-huh. I don't do anything sleep. fun during the week. It's pretty just standard routine work, sleep. And uh, this weekend, what I do? Friday? What did I do Friday? Did I do anything Friday? No. I, I watched Squid night. Game. Yeah, the new Netflix. The show now. sweeping the country. Watched the four or five episodes of that. That I don't like. It's very weird. I don't know if I like it. Evan, have you seen it? No. no I'm so far, so far behind. I just figured out what like all the memes are related to, and it was actually Squid Game today. Yeah, it's a weird show. It's, it's something. I don't even know if I recommend it. Sorry. That's on me. Birth um, control. Birth <laughs> control. Oh, sorry. Eight o'clock. Um, so I watched that on Friday, and then Saturday I went to another wedding. So that is now two weeks in a row. This wedding was smaller than last week's. Uh, no jeans at this wedding. Mm. More standard. That's a shame. Um, first time I've seen, like, you know, when all the bridesmaids usually have all the same dresses. Right. Yeah. Not this one. They all had different colored dresses. I thought oh. it was different. Interesting. Never seen it. So that was uh, interesting. A uh, friend of the program was in the wedding. First and last name drop. That's a bleep. That's a bleep for those coming at home. Mary was in the wedding. <laughs> Um, and she, uh, she was belligerent afterwards. You can keep that out too. <laughs> that was pretty funny. 
Um, and then after the wedding, I got back to my humble apartment to watch Grant until watching the Nebraska game. And I almost pushed Nebraska to a win on accident. And then helped Michigan win the game. So Michigan fans should thank me. And then today I didn't do anything it's except watch to, football. It's that's one all way to I do on that. <laughs> So, you know, standard weekend. I'll go second because I have some questions for Evan because I'm most excited to hear his recap. About. Um, let's see. So Monday, a lot of late night work shifts this week, which was new. I uh, was adjusting to that in my life. Kind of weird. It's pretty tired. Uh, probably a lack of sleep as well, which will show in this show. Like, like Alex said, watched the Squid Game show, I guess, on Friday. Jamar Chase scored again. Yeah, he's really good. My goodness. Sorry, guys. I should have I'm all over the place. I should have like, the fastest two minutes on SNF right now. Anyways, um, Saturday, interesting life experience. Um, made my own candle. Oh, I did that. Too. Which Alex did as well. I forgot about that. Um, you know, just some apple picking weekend type activities, which were done before football started. Because we're not we simps. did not miss football. Not simps. Hashtag not simps. <laughs> Made a candle. And I actually really enjoyed it. I don't know if you want to take my man card or not for that. It was a very uh, relaxing experience. Get the, but I don't think my nose works super great. Like, I don't think I have good felt sense of smell. I felt the same. Also, Evan, I think you would have loved making your own candle. I think you would have made a very nice smelling candle. I never have to worry about those activities for a while. So, <laughs> Oh, Evan. No, I mean, <laughs> probably ever based on how you usually talk. True, probably ever. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, what What are your favorite like scents that you like, Evan? If you bought a candle, Evan, what would you buy? I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Pumpkin? Your fall smell? Uh, well, like a, no, because the faint pumpkin smell isn't the traditional as like a pumpkin pie smell. So no, I'm okay. out. Like um. After like, shit. Are you in the? You want to hear a weird theory about candles? Yes, yes, I do. Let's get so, weird. There's a theory out there for candles saying that they just like all the year before, so the following year, all the ones that aren't bought, they just take off the labels and then just put a new name on it and rebrand it as a different smell. And it tricks your brain because you read it first before you smell it, and it's trying to trick your brain about it's going to be that smell. So they're just reusing all the candles. <laughs> I think you broke my brain. So you're saying like if there was a ocean scented candle, let's say there was an ocean scented candle called like Sea Breeze. Sea Breeze. Yep. And then let's say there was ones left over and um, they rename it the next year, they'd call it like Salted Karma. And you'd no, call it's it. gotta be no. so, Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think like a Sandy Beach. Like Sandcastle or like yeah. a day at the beach or something like yep. that. So it's all it's more, yeah because sometimes honestly candles are more about the name, the the fancy name they put on it that makes you think you're at some place as opposed to what they actually smell like. Mm. But the gist was you smell a bunch of different flavors on this big wall and you write down which ones that you like the best and then you sit down at this like bar and people help you with like I guess candles are just like essential oils at least this place you just put oils in it and then it melts the wax in it. Uh, so you basically just like would mix and match oil wise what flavors you like the best to create your own. And that part was fun. The results could have been better. Like I feel like mine smelled super strong and good in the moment. And then when I got it and lit it, it didn't really smell that strong. I think mine turned out pretty good. So 
overall was interesting. I don't know. It was like a 30 to 45 minute process. People that worked there were super nice. So I was all right. Something. And then Saturday, pretty standard day of watching football. And then as the night progressed with the mission game on, got more and more drunk as the night went on because it became a very stressful game. So by the end of the game was pretty buzzed and enjoying a, a riveting game of football. Your head's in my head. My head's in the bookshelf. What a bookworm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and for you, Evan. Uh, let's see. This week, Tunes will start way back on Tuesday. And our, was it, th- our third IM game. Okay. Um, the, the week you want to oh, be ready to go. 0-2 oh, oh or 1-1? 0-2 oh, oh, going into this game. Lock 7 win. o'clock, an early start. We're the first game on the field that we had to watch them set up. Um, and the team that shows up, we're like, oh, yeah, guys, we're definitely winning. Um <laughs> And Alex, I know you've played I am football before, so you know like the basic rules. You know, you kinda of just like show up and you throw the pigskin around and we'll see who wins. Who's got the better Jimmy's and Joe's? Um and the team that we played um is huddling and they turned out that they want to be army and oh, running no. motion and like triple option stuff. No. And yeah, they huddled and so you know like typically like per half it's twenty minutes running clock, you'd get like four possessions. We got the ball twice. And we had the ball the first, and we got the ball first. Yep, first half we got the ball twice. This they huddled every single play and took the play clock all the way down. This isn't going well. Yeah, we lost thirteen to six. Oh my God. We were um, probably one for five in the red zone, probably over four actually, because I think our long, our touchdown was like long. We could just get in the red zone and fumble the back. Um, yeah, so we're zero and three down a bad last path. game down a bad path. Yeah. You're going to have to find something, Evan. You can't be losing no, triple option average Joes. They probably they had didn't... face paint. They had colored face paint, red, white, and blue face paint on most of the guys. Yeah. Wow. But they weren't good. They just ran fantastic. Oh, they physically couldn't throw the ball. They just. Wow, that's tough. That's, I love oh, to wow. interview these kids of like, when was it you guys realized you had no athletes? And so you invented a triple <laughs> option scheme for seven on seven. flag football. Yeah, my God. Um, so it was a tough loss on Tuesday. Kind of got, to, you know, it, it was tough. It was tough to wake up on Wednesday and we realized that we lost to those guys. Hey, man, um, everyone makes the playoffs, but you're gonna yep. be uh, no bots. We'll be facing, yeah, we'll be facing a one seed or something like that. No, you'll probably face a terrible team and then a one seed. Okay. Um, let's see. Then Thursday, Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, nothing. Friday went to the movies midday afternoon was kind of weird. Um, Are those called you know, manifest? Kind of like, hey, one time you want to go to the movies on Friday, and we're like, yeah, let's go in the afternoon. One thirty-five time start. We walked into the theaters, and it, I thought we were in church because the first two rows was like everybody was over the age of sixty-five. What? Yes, I think a lot of old people everybody, go to the movies during the day. They were. It was the elderly. Just think about the movie they were seeing. The thing it was like Pierce Bronson, James Bond. Yeah, we were watching. I went to go see No Time to Die. There's no age on um, movies like that, Grant. Was a great. It's, it's it was a great. A classic movie. That's a great it's quote. One of the name brands. Um, and Friday night went to a hockey game. Um, spoiler for any diehard Spartan hockey fans: going to be a long season from the product that I saw Friday night. Hey, they won five one on Saturday. They won five. Whatever. Duncan um, Keith isn't walking through that door. No. 
No. Or the Jeff uh, ain't in that. Abdicator. Ryan Miller's not in that. Abdicator. Abdicator. No. Yeah, they're they're not there. Um, they should yeah, be. So being in the Big Ten, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> Very difficult. Long season. Um, Saturday and Sunday, I probably sat on my couch for a good fourteen hours per day, just watched football and sports every single day. As you should. This is, I think this is my first weekend I wasn't doing anything since the summer. Busy man. Yeah. You get those like butt sores from sitting on the couch all day. Uh, no, because like Saturday afternoon football was electric, and when you bet on it, it's even more electric. So like after every big play, you just kind of stand You're up, up and down. And shout. Uh, yeah, that was it. That's about when that week. Win any huge parlays? I did put a huge parlay down, and uh, let's see who ruined it. <laughs> well, I. <laughs> You know, you get caught into these traps and these just crazy records. And I had a really long one, and then I had like a five-flight parlay. I bet Bowling Green. They're the only team five and out against the spread going into Saturday. Laid an absolutely egg against the worst team in college football in Akron. Lost my bet just because of that. It was four for five from that one. You hate to hear that. Yeah. I think it should be known. Um, but oh. Covers. You know, I had a good week, and now I'm tied for first. Yeah, you had a great week to bounce back after I took a three-game lead last week, which I also I got had. Nebraska. I bet Nebraska at three and a half. It covers by half a point. Love to see it. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, I'm never picking Michigan again. Uh, <laughs> also, the Texas game really effed me. Uh, I had Oklahoma minus three. You got lucky. <laughs> yeah. You had a couple lucky covers. Yeah. I think my two, I think my two losses was the Ole Miss bad beat. Same. Ole Miss cover, and I had I paid Virginia Tech. Is Oklahoma now? This is a more philosophical. Is Oklahoma cover considered unlucky, or is it like a material change in the team when you change a quarterback? It just it's kind of sucks that they switch quarterbacks because if they didn't, I would have safely won. However, right. smart coaching, and I should have predicted that. But then, question: If Caleb Williams was announced the starter pregame, would you have bet Oklahoma? Probably. Okay. I think I think it's a bad beat solely because all he needed was a field goal to win, and then he breaks off a long touchdown to cover the spread and win. Like, well, if you're a Texas plus three and a half, you're like, okay, they kick a field goal, I still win. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, those two games, Michigan and Texas, if we flip those, then I have your record, Evan, and you have mine. So it's just one of those weeks. It's just a two-man race, though. So that's it good. Is. Stay tuned then. I think a big okay, one of, we just split it 50-50, you know. I'm down. <laughs> I think a big thing to note too, like people are like, well, they keep saying they don't do anything during the week. Like, you know, once you get in football season, you kind of need nights of doing absolutely nothing to kind of prepare yourself for doing nothing again but watching football on the weekends. Um, which we also are busy people. Laughable laughable to some people that you need to like rest during the week to watch more football, but I think there's a point to be made there. I, mean, I haven't had a fully free weekend in a long time. I mean, my next weekend's going to be super busy, and you're going to hear the story next Sunday. So, Looking forward to it. Uh, also, and at some point, I don't know if it'll be next show. I can't guarantee it, but there will be a, I would say, 15-minute debriefing on No Time to Die review. So uh, prepare yourself for that. And if you like, <laughs> and I don't know, with if it's within a week or two weeks, we're going full spoilers on it because, like, Go see it. And then we'll tell you spoiler alert, but it's going to be a, a full movie review. Probably one of the few movies we're ever review on this show. Can't Go wait. see it. It's a must watch. Planning to. Go see it with the old people in the front row. Uh, all right. Let's dive into 
NFL football. I was telling Alex before the show at about 2.30 today, I feel like, I was fully prepared to say that the Lions would not be the leadoff uh, topic of this show because they just looked pathetic and couldn't move the football. And then all of a sudden, why do you always look surprised? Someone's yelling in the background. I thought it was a dog. I'm like, I mean, doesn't have a dog. No. <laughs> um, is that this team, these this Lions we root for, they always find a way to make it interesting. And I can safely say, uh, I think, I don't know, I had on in the side again because I couldn't watch every play. I saw Jared Goff get sacked on a drive. It looked like they had to convert to keep the game going. You know, so you flash forward like 30 to 45 minutes, and I hear Alex screaming, we're going for two for the win. And I go, what? <laughs> I flip it off, like flip over the tags. I had a different one up. And I'm sit- I'm watching a DeAndre Swift replay of a touchdown run. And I'm like, they haven't shown the score bug yet. I'm like, okay, like going for two, then kicking an onside kick to get the ball back to go for the win. Nope. Going for two to go for the actual win. And they get it. Alice is going crazy. And I'm like, okay, there's 37 seconds left. You can tell Dan Campbell's nervous on the sideline. He's not celebrating yet. Then you flash forward like 30 seconds later and Alice is screaming, oh, no, not again. Not again. (laughs) And it happens again. Unbelievable. Um, I'll throw it to you guys again. This is basically explain the game to Grant of how this went. I'll try to find some stats here so I can ask questions off of that. But it was a game we did not expect this team to win, that they hung around again. Just from looking at this. should pause, Carrie Underwood's on the TV. Pay your dues. God bless her. (laughs) Um, But just, I don't know, looking at the box score, I would be surprised at how Detroit's defense performed given the injuries that they've sustained throughout the year. But that's my only observation as a, um, not having watched every snap, how did you guys take this game, take away from this game? Do you want to go first, Evan, or do you want me to go first? Go ahead. I'll just bounce off of you. All right. Uh, I would say, number one, the Lions defense played better, and they can thank Minnesota for that. Uh, the play calling on Minnesota's side was terrible. I don't know what they were trying to do against the Lions. Uh, they got they were getting cute. They were running terrible third down plays. They ran the ball on like third and eight like twice. Kirk Cousins two. or Taylor Heineke? Yeah, I don't think it was Kirk Cousins' fault. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I would take Kirk Cousins. Um, I just I just want to check in, you know. So, defensively, it was more – I mean, they, they played all right, but the Vikings were helping them out. Um, offensively, Jared Goff is not good. 21 of 35, 203 yards, one interception, four sacks. Baby hands um, struck again. A fumble and a 64.3 QB rating. It was just terrible. He just, yeah, he just, the offense, again, was, oh, this is probably the worst the offense has looked, in my opinion. Um, they could not get anything going. The first drive, they ran the ball well. And I thought, oh, maybe, you know, we're going to run the ball well today. And then we just kind of abandoned it, per usual. Didn't get Hawkinson involved at all. I don't know if he was just because he was hurt or what, but he had two catches in the whole game. Didn't get involved, Swift involved until the very end again which you see as flashes of excellence at the end of the game with his catches and runs. But we waited all game to do that. Swift, 11 for 51, 4.6 per carry, a long run of 12. Six big truck stick, too. Six targets, um, one rushing touchdown. Yeah, Caught all six of those targets for 53 yards. So a pretty balanced effort out of him as well. Yeah. I'll just be the read stats guy off and talking about it again. I feel like that's a good role for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, more injuries. Cephas got hurt early oh, in the game. Interesting. That was early in the game, wasn't it? 
second quarter. Uh, end of the second quarter. Yeah. So Steve is out now, probably. Um, then other than that, I mean, it was a pretty boring football game. It was a lot of three and outs, a lot of punts. Jack Fox had a nice boot in the game. It was a 75-yard punt. If you want to get excited about that. About what? Our punter is sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah, all pro Jack Fox. Shout yeah. out. Top five, ten. Well, top five, top ten, I think, for all of us, maybe. Trying to Close think. To- Kirk Cousins tried to throw a 200-mile-per-hour fastball, went off someone's chest 40 feet into the air into Anzalone's hands. <laughs> Kirk Cousins or Taylor Heineke? Kirk Cousins. All right, just checking. Jefferson uh, also was torching our secondary all day, and they just stopped going to him. It was one of the dumbest things. I've Seven ever for 124, and I believe he was like five for 104 at halftime or something Not like that. Not a guy on our team could even stay within a foot of him, and they just completely stopped throwing the ball to him. It was one of the more shocking things. So that the, would, the announcers were like, why are they not throwing him the ball? That would go to your play-calling thing. Yeah, they just completely went away from Jefferson, and Adam Thielen had one catch. So I don't know what... Two, but same idea. He didn't have him until the last drive or the last two drives. Okay. So he had zero most of the game. All right. So, yeah, I don't know. Vikings just looked like they wanted to lose the game. They let us hang around as long as we could. We got a big fumble by Jalen Reeves-Maven at the end of the game. That's how um, we got back into it. So positive that I'm taking away is our linebacking core was making plays. Sort of. Anzalone. Anzalone. Interception was super lucky. But... Does a turnover? Does a turnover by like a linebacker take away like three missed tackles in a game? Like, what's the ratio there? Because if and it depends on how quality those like what the I don't know the problem with those missed tackles. Like, you could miss a tackle and you run also one off for a touchdown, or you just miss a tackle and then the next guy comes down. and makes the tackle. Yeah. there's good missed tackles if you're slowing them down in like the backfield. Yeah. I don't know. Bad missed tackle by uh, Barnes early, late in the game. Madison's longest run. That was missed a tackle in the hole, kind of dove at his ankles. Could have been um, a like, – That's a bad missed tackle. Yeah. Could have been a one or two yard gain and turned into uh, like 50. So that was a really bad missed tackle. Thought the game was over at that point. Thought the game was over basically the whole time because couldn't move the ball. Another red zone interception too for Jared Goff. It was in the red zone? Was it like the 15-yard line? Can't have those. Those are like rookie QB turnovers. Red zone efficiency yes. ever since. Yeah, we were, was, yeah. I, I don't agree with that play call. It was a play action two man route, and he tried to throw it over the middle. Kendricks did one hand the interception. It was pretty nice. True. Um, but you're targeting Hodge on this play. Um, it just, I, I thought the play calling was bad today. It also, I'm starting to realize it doesn't help that the playmakers on the Lions passed Hawkinson and Swift. And I guess Williams are really. You're just starting to realize that. I mean, you just see it today, and then when Cephas goes out, and you have Daryl Hodge and Trinity Benson are your. Receivers. I don't know if his name is Daryl. I think it's something else. It's I think it's Daryl. Uh, Merrill Hodge. Merrill. Daryl. Daryl. It's not Merrill. It's Kate Hodge. Merrill Hodge is a guy that was used to be on ESPN. And I, I'm watching about the first half highlights. It looks like Justin Jefferson. I was going to ask, like, is this a Warriors fault? It looks like he's just carving everyone that was on him. That day, and it wasn't like it wasn't like a warrior had to shadow him. It was anyone could get some. Just so you guys know, it's Kaderil Hodge. So I mean, I was pretty much Madaril Kaderil. <laughs> uh, Evan, you're you're you said play calling. Can you elaborate on that, please? What didn't you like? What would you have liked to see them do differently? It was just look, the, the targets in like the situational. Like there's a lot of third down or like second and long plays where you know you're now going to run. It's like 
Dave Warner's calling the place. Okay, we have an incomplete pass on first down, and now it's second and long, and now you're just running a run play just to hopefully get back to third and manageable and actually trying to be aggressive. Like, I don't think Minnesota's secondary is that good. Um, granted, like our, I think our pass protection scheme was horrendous this game, not helping out Sewell or any of the tackles. But that's also related to the problem that we're building a roster with only two tight ends, and one of the tight ends is your number one pass catcher. Yeah. Um, so the, the play that, like, the play that Goff fumbled, the play before he got sacked, Sewell gave up as a sack. Um, he's going against Everson Griffin. He's an all-pro veteran. Gives up a sack, and then we come back, and we still only have a four-man protection. And like, you got a chip there. You got to have a tight end over there to help him out. Put a fullback in there to help him out. Um, and he just manhandles Sewell. He gets his hands inside and pulls Sewell's a side swim move and strips Goff. Still did not it's agree. Just, it's just like philosophy standpoint. I still don't agree. Like. Once again, I said it last week, I don't think golf fits this scheme. And I don't think he's comfortable in it. It's a lot of under center. It's a lot of... I don't know why we keep going to the under center BS every week. I don't know why. I'd like, I'd love to see us just, you know, go air raid five wide shotgun every play. I don't know why we go under center. I mean, you look at our stats, they're kind of similar. We had 63 plays. Minnesota had 64. But I think Minnesota just didn't come out with a, a very good game plan against us. They had an archaic offense. Small yeah, offense. because I think Kirk Cousins could have thrown the ball to probably to Jefferson at least a good 20 times, and he's catching 15 of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand why they went away from that. I have no idea. Mike Zimmer's an old-school guy. I feel like he's just like a – Put a, and they ran the ball a, well, too. Put some chew in and run the ball. Is basically sort of. Motto. I mean, Madison had a few big runs that kind of Madison hated his stats. We didn't even – we didn't play good. Minnesota kept us in the game because a lot of – like, Minnesota had seven penalties for 74 yards, and I can probably count two or three of those penalties were either second to long, third down, where they're giving us a first down, like a legal hands to the face, five-yard penalty, but automatic first down. Like, defensive holding, five-yard penalty, but automatic first down. Yeah, Bashad Braylon had like five penalties, it felt like. And he got booed by Minnesota. Also, Minnesota's fans were booing that all They were booing the offense in the second half. They booed Braylon when he got a pass interference call, too. I mean, Minnesota scored six points in the second half. Yeah, they, Minnesota fans were pissed. And I don't agree with the whole attempting the field goal at the end of the game. Like, I, I understand why, because if you kick the field goal, it's – it's over again because you're up two possessions. Context, Grant. Um, was there another like Minnesota had a chance to end the game with a field goal attempt? It was like a fifty-five yards. So it was a fifty-some yarder, yeah. And they missed, and then we ended up um, scoring after that. No, we got the ball. Flipped yeah, the field. That was the drive that we scored. No, we flipped the so field. They got it back and on a fourth and fifteen for a bunch of yards. As like the does. game is over. I turned the channel. Right, because that was when it was over. There's three something minutes left. That's why they I ran. Off. Yeah, they ran four plays, got three yards. It's a typical. Okay, we're just going to run, 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 kick a field goal. They missed the field goal, and then we have two long plays. I think one to Monroe, one to Swift. Oh, we got three, and that's how. Yeah, I mean that's how we got down the field and we scored, and then we went for two. And well, and I'm, I'm no, lost. no, I mean, we got a field goal on that drive. Then there was a questionable: should we kick it off with two two and a half minutes left, or oh, yes, yes, we kicked the field. We kicked wow, it deep. Dude. 
dudes on that drive in context. So they threw the ball in third and seven and then kicked the field goal, it seems like, which is also the incomplete. So it gave the Lions a free yes. timeout. And then Swift just absolutely pumped Bashad Breeland yeah, uh, on a drive. And, and then, then we kicked three. Oh, and also shout out Cybert. Uh, three for three today. So kicker woes that All I was down the middle. personally worried about coming into the year. So far, he's looked pretty solid, which is a good thing to note. And I'm rewatching this Jalen Reeves Maven play to get my eyes on it. That's just, just like a on the grown man took the ball away from him. Yeah, Madison just needs to go down there if you're in the Vikings. <laughs> Amonra. Good game from him. Amonra played well today. Yeah. All right. Um, he's like one of our only athletes. Target leader, I think, on the team today. Or probably Swift. Best receiver yeah. on the team today. Receiving yardage-wise? Um, Seven for 65. He had a lot of targets. Most catches and yards, Alex. Glaring problem again. Uh, 65 yards is something to write home about, but yeah. Watch your mouth. It just shows this anemic off. Glaring problem again, um, and it's not even – it's a lack of targets problem and a lack of production problem is for Hawkinson. So what do we see out of him? Is this an injury concern because he's not 100% or what's going on? I felt like he was injured and more of a decoy, in my opinion. They didn't really see it. And they, uh, uh, Minnesota had his safety nice. shadowing him at all times with a linebacker, pretty much. So there was he was never open. Patrick Peterson was on him quite a bit, too. Yeah. Um, I, and I think it's just like scheme. I think it's, just, okay, this is our play. And like Hawkinson is just, just the first option instead of designing plays to get Hawkinson open. The, yeah, I don't know like, if that makes sense. Like, I know what you're saying. Like, you're running, okay, we're running a typical bootleg, okay? And then you're like, okay, Hawkinson's your first read. Instead of designing plays to get Hawkinson open. Yep. And it doesn't help that the Lions don't really have guys that are creating separation at all. So then when Hawkinson's not open, Jared Goff just throws it into coverage. And it's never good. Also, Jared Goff trying to attempt a 50-yard bond to Khalif Raymond in double coverage just to get the game done. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible decision. He's lucky that was not intercepted. You know what's – so one thing, too, I want to eliminate on the Hawkinson point before we move on to anything else is that, as everyone's eye test has shown, but you look at first game in San Francisco, eight catches for 97. Second game versus Green Bay, eight catches for 66. And then against Baltimore, two catches. Chicago, four catches. Minnesota, two catches. So you can you can chalk it up to injury. You can chalk it up to scheme. It's probably a mix of everything. It has to change though, because you're not going to break twenty points often if he's not catching at least at least I don't know. I'll say six. like five to six catches a game for like sixty to seventy yards in a touchdown. Like he needs to be much more involved in the offense. I think that's a duh, Grant, no brainer. But like something needs to change. It, you need your receivers to be better too. You need separation. You're not creating any separation in the games. Monarchy did, I guess, a decent job today. But we have no guys that can take the pressure. No no defense has to worry about anything other than Hawkinson. And so it's super easy to lock him down. And then our receivers aren't good enough to do anything on their own. And Jared Goff also isn't good enough to find other receivers. It's just terrible. The whole offense is just bad. Um. On, a lot of work. on our or on the Lions last drive of the game when the Vikings have the ball, just kind of watching it back uh, and nitpicking. I mean, obviously the secondary's banged up; they're not very good. 
I believe we had an Instagram comment from Fan Jack asking if this was the worst secondary in the league. Yes. I don't know the statistics on it, but it feels like it watching it. Um, and they're playing this really soft, baby soft zone coverage. Rushing three. And, yeah, I did notice that. So they rushed four. They even had a design blitz off of it on um, one of the plays, which I enjoyed. Because they kept the guy in bounds for only six yards on that, which maybe go back to that. And then on second and four from Minnesota's own 45 with 22 seconds left, they rushed three three people. And it's like the most stand-up, like not even try to get to the quarterback rush. And it's just wide open to Thielen in the middle of the field, right at the field goal line. And it's just one of those puke things where it's like, I've, I personally decide from watching football many years that I do not like rushing three almost ever. I just, I'd much rather some guy make a big catch one-on-one versus a guy than rush three and then they have all day. And then eventually that zone's going to break down because, I don't know, they're professional athletes and it's a lot easier to be on offense running around than play defense. So I hate that, but I don't know. And then I guess credit to their kicker, kind of a no-name guy. He had a great day. Makes a big kick. Made everything. And – and we get tears in the post game. So I don't really know what to think about this team other than they're kind of continuing to do the Detroit Pistons method of making every game close and hopefully going for the number one pick. Credit to this team for, uh, you know, always fighting, you know, because they are – half the problem is talent. There's not a lot of it. So it's it's impressive in the sense that they're competing. Trey Flowers also had a sack in this football game. So he sucks. I feel like as much as we talk crap about him – Evan says that they move on, but he did have a sack. He sucks. No, oh, I'm saying who cares what you do. Like, what you do, Trey Flowers, good for you. You're going to get caught next year, so just get it all the way. Oh, no. Uh, it is kind of funny if you look in uh, on the scores app, is what I use. If you look at the chat, a question that came from the chat for you guys, just a statement this person made, but I want to know if you believe it. Is Detroit the best LN5 team of all time? No. No. All right. That was a quick no. We had that one Lions team that started the season like 0-6 and, and then won seven games. So, because they lost all like Super Bowl contenders by like three points every week. Here we lost like Denver, Seattle, Seattle on the push out of the backs of the end zone. That team was defeated for a while and they were much better coming off the playoffs uh, season. I think the answer to this question, I remember someone talking about this once. I think the question, the answer to this is the in our lifetimes at least, a recent team was the 49ers under Shanahan. I think they started like over and then they won out the rest and they barely missed the playoffs. So I think that would be the right answer. But I will say for an 0-5 team, we're very competitive. Yeah, I said, hard-working team, you know, we never quit. Matt Patricia teams would have quit. It would have probably gotten blown out, so... It's good to see that uh, this team hasn't given up yet. I'm curious to see how they bounce back next week after another devastating loss. Are you curious, though? That's a real question. Um, I mean, 95% of my focus is on Michigan State football, and then the rest goes to the – well, then I would say 2% goes to the national scene, and then, you know, the rest of it goes to the Lions. So, no, I'm not super curious to see it. It would be nice to see it. Big picture, a little nerve-wracking here that I was thinking about during Dan Campbell's post-game press, press conferences. Like, how long is it until there's chatter of the locker room being, like, devastated past the point of return? I don't think that'll happen. Ever? Uh, I don't think it'll happen this year. No. No. 
They yeah, ever, like they played for Dan Campbell. I'm not worried. Evan gave me a timetable, though. I liked that it. Liked it. I agree. I'm just asking the question. I agree. I think they oh, – no, I mean, if they're – got to step back here and think. If they're 0-10, I think it's going to be really dark, really bad. If they don't get a win pretty much before the bye, it, things are going to be dark. And I'm not going to say it's going to be gone, but I'm going to say, like, they probably would have to get rid of a lot of guys that are in the locker room right now in the offseason because I don't know how you, like, would go forbid 0-17 and come back and, like, like look forward to another offseason of hard work and getting ready to go for next year. I mean, I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be back other than the young guys, the super young rookies that are showing promise and second and third-year players showing promise. Veterans-wise, I don't see many sticking around anyways, so you're not going to need Anzalone forever. <laughs> but there is something to be said where, like, you yeah, know, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you don't want to break everyone's will and people to be, like, depressed playing the sport of football. Yeah, I mean, I they, they know it's a process. And they know they're close. They've been close. They've had two wins it feels in close, their face. But it almost always feels like it's going to end in a loss. Yeah, well, that's what happens to talentless teams. It's a miracle they're competing in these games, honestly. A miracle, Alex? That it's, seems a little extreme. I mean, if you would have told me this Miracles. morning that the Lions lose on a game-winning field goal as time expires when they were winning, I would have told you you're crazy. I don't think so. I would yes. not. I'd be like, oh, it's the NFL. It happens. Yeah, it is, but also this team is one of the worst teams talent-wise in the NFL. Correct. And they're still somehow, you know, right there. Because they're still, like, top 5% of athletes. Other than one game, every game's come down to, like, well, actually two. The Bears game was not very close. Three of the five have come down to the last possession. All right. Well, dark days here in the start of the Dan Campbell era. We got tears, like I said, through week five. I wonder if there's an over-under on that. That's pretty fast. I would have I would have taken the over if someone said week five. I would have taken the never. Tears. Yeah. So, so we shall see how this progresses. Um, now in the show, we will move to a recap. Uh, so how we're going to do this because – the diehard listeners will be like, guys, it's week six. That means it's Q2, quarterly report number two. And you're right, you finance majors out there. It is Q2. We're going to go through the recaps of the games, and then we will get into the kind of big picture quarterly report of the teams with some midseason awards and some big picture questions, uh, and then we'll move on from there. So we will start with the Big Ten noon kickoff, not the big noon kickoff, the Big Ten noon kickoff, MSU 31 at Rutgers, Piscataway, New Jersey. Tough place to get up for and noon kickoff. Rutgers scored 13 points. Um, yeah, I don't know why I sounded like I was chopping them when I said that. Well, it is embarrassing. Um, it was a battle for the keep chopping phrase, as we all know. And thankfully, um, I'm not going to say MSU gets to keep keep chopping. They get to steal keep chopping officially from Rutgers and keep it until the next matchup. So... Where would you guys like to start with Michigan State versus Rutgers? Now, Michigan State is now ranked. Did the AP come out as well? Ten. Ten yes. in both? Ten in AP, nine in coaches. All right, we'll go with nine. We always go with the higher rank. The ninth team in the country, the Michigan State Spartans. Evan, you go first, and now I will comment off of what you say. Okay. Um, obviously, this game was um, – didn't give up any points in the second half. It's one of the biggest things you take away. Um played decent obviously like all the records stats and like all the big plays or like the highlights from the game if you really break it down i don't think i was more upset at a game like when we're up by eight at halftime 
Yeah, I would we say we should have been eight at halftime. I felt disgusted about being up eight up, being up eight at halftime. Um, the first half was sloppy. Got didn't get off to a, the best start. But we moved the ball great on the first drive. Stalled out. Um, Terrible fake. Field. Yeah, can we touch on that? What was the deal with you guys looking back? Was there any talk post game about the decision for the fake field goal? Because it seemed very unorthodox, very discombobulated. That one of the coaches said they saw something they liked on what with whatever Rutgers came out in, and they thought they could pull a fast one on them. I guess. I also read that uh, we made a weird gesture to Coglin before he ran out there, and it was like pretty obvious that a fake was coming, and then Rutgers was obviously all over it. I hate the call. I don't hate, I guess, a fake field goal attempt. I'm not a huge – I don't think you need to do it against Rutgers for one. But if you're going to do it, that was one of the poor, like worst designs. I mean, at least give him a passing option. You're just going to have a little bootleg with Bryce Barringer. I don't know if I would factor in like the whole. I don't like the point that you made about don't need to do a fake field goal because it's Rutgers. I don't think you needed to against Rutgers. I don't. But I, I would say if they did think they had a look they liked, regardless of opponent, I would try it. Oh. And be know. sneakier about it, I guess, and probably not put it in one of the least athletic people's yeah, hands on the team. Because I'm rewatching, and it basically maybe they knew, but zero for Rutgers stayed home the whole way. He did yeah. not bite whatsoever, and they it's knew. basically one of their fastest linebackers on an island with Berenger, and you take the linebacker and you send. And if anyone doesn't know, Berenger is the punter and wears goggles. Yeah, so <laughs> so that's all you need to know. It's got a leg, though. It's got a leg. <laughs> it's kind of messed um, up. The I didn't game. like. Oh, go ahead. That, just like that first drive, I didn't like the third down play, and then I'm with Alex. You shouldn't have to run a fake there, especially the first take drive. The like if you're gonna run a fake, you might as well just. Call a decent play on third down and then go for it on fourth. Agreed. And just impose your will on Rutgers saying we're better than you and just go for it. Yeah, I'd much rather would have just ran a regular offensive play than that. I, I'm not a big fake field goal guy in that situation. Now, obviously, if it works, um, I probably thought. And then after that, you know, it, it gets kind of one of those things that gets a little nerve wracking when you're on the road again at noon in Piscataways that Rutgers answers with a. Uh, with a nice little put together touchdown drive, and then you, find, and your, you find themselves up seven nothing. You give up it, third I, and eighteen. I felt like it was more us doing mistakes than Rutgers actually executing. But I mean, that could just be my uh, bias, Michigan State. I didn't think like the defense tackled very well. I didn't think we played very well in the first half. Um, you know, third and eighteen, we sacked them twice, and then they get great catch by the kid. Well, they get a, they convert. Mm-hmm. 19 yard catch. What, yeah, one of those tip of your cap plays because yeah. Vidral just rolls out the wrong way for his handedness and makes a crazy off balance throw, and there's a toe tap along the side. Incredible, like keeping your feet in bounce right on the first down marker. Yeah, I mean, can't happen. Can't gotta wrap up back in the backfield. Then Ventral has like a 30, 40 yard run down to like the five yard line. Or missed tackles. One of the worst display of tackling of all time. Miss him at the line. Don't feel the hole properly. I think Crouch missed him. And then somebody goes in, just tries to lay a boomstick, and just three head down, eyes closed, doesn't do anything. So they score on there. Okay, whatever. They beat us. They had a good play on the goal line, and Brandon got in, and what James or nice were just pumping up the offensive coordinator for Rutgers. It was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and then the answer. The, the, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to call him player of the game. I'm going to call Speedy Nailer. If you guys didn't know his name, it's Jalen there, but a lot of people call him Speedy, uh, if you hadn't heard. I think that's becoming my new Clayton Kershaw and Stafford, our friends, if you hadn't heard. Um, he's fast. He makes 
Uh, it was more of those like a Rutgers blown coverage, but also he makes a nice little basketball shimmy move on a guy uh, and connects on a play action bomb. So one of those like Rutgers has his back breaking long drive that felt like they had to put in a lot of work, and then Michigan State just comes over the top with the bomb to tie it up. So yeah, your thoughts after players. that? Yeah, it, it was obvious during our first drive, their first drive, and then our second drive that we were superior talent-wise. It was just a matter of executing. So I would just say it was, just, it was a sloppy half. And then, but to bounce back after Rutgers scores with a, a bomb 63-yard touchdown is uh, something we have not seen from Michigan State teams lately in the last few years, uh, to have the firepower to just bounce back that quickly. So that was nice to see. Because in a couple years Our ago, I'm getting nervous. nervous. What? Our athletes are just better than their athletes. So yeah, but we've had uh, weird things get, happen in Wisconsin before. Yeah, then we get down ten to seven because of one of the worst, mm. in my opinion, one of the worst that you know roughing the passer penalties of all time, really and bad. it was called by the head umpire because he was the closest guy to it, or the late hit out of bounds. Is what you mean? Yes, it, I think he assumed that he went in there for contact, but he was getting blocked into him, and he touch of Angel basically like trying to. Hold up his momentum from falling and pulled away. It was one of the worst calls. Can we briefly discuss how the umpire was basically wearing a choker necklace uh, via his whistle the whole game? I mean, that thing. <laughs> I'm not sure why he was doing. I that. think there was a joke made that maybe the whistle was cutting off oxygen to his brain, and that's why he made that call. But I would believe that theory based off the call I saw. I mean, it was one of those ones where so he basically just patted him on the butt uh, and said, "Hey, good, good scramble." So. That's so bad. And then, and then there was a back to back right after it, that. Right after a uh, little chicken wing to the to the chin, oh, which football soft, soft, but you can live with that. Especially after the one you just saw, you can kind of live with that one. I would More say. Acceptable. Yeah, it just sucks that happened back to back. Get your hands down, Slade. But and then good stop. Great goal line stop. Great stop to get him to get three. All things considered, I think I texted that after all that mess. They only came away with three points. Felt like a win. And then the play. Third and five. You guys take it from here. What do you guys think on that touch? The second touchdown to Speedy Naylor. Um, I mean, I've been saying I will want to get him involved more often. You did say Just that. A flea flicker, baby. That was a flea flicker, wasn't it? Wasn't no, that was, that was the over the shoulder. Let me check. Nope. Just straight shoulder. drop back. It was a Willie Mays Hayes. He caught that and then he realized the defensive backs that are trying to catch him, he's more athletic, <laughs> faster, and better in every aspect of their lives, and he can just score him. That was Jalen Davis' like sideline caught Reggie Bush play. You know, that was like a stop and then change all direction. And as good as the throw was, the catch was even better and the cut was probably even better. Yeah. Uh, a great play all around. And then BTN throws out these, uh, I'm not going to call them 4K cameras, but their version of like the 4K cameras. Um, and I was like, okay, we got some production value on this BTN noon kickoff here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Fox. side note, again, dumb note on the game. You guys feel like your guys' uh, green pops better on BTN? I feel like the green looks sharper. And almost brighter. It just looks brighter. I wouldn't say it's better. It's like a different, like the helmets aren't t- one shade of green. It's like a, it's not metallic, but there's like a, or if you catch it just right in like the sunlight or like the camera, like it will reflect the helmet. It's not just like a solid base color. It's not like a matte green. Yeah. It's like a matte metallic green. Um, yeah. Also, I'll get, I'll get this point out there and apologize to everyone after the second touchdown we just discussed. Connor Hayward is not the third best skill player on Michigan State. Uh, that, that award was taken from him in the middle of this game by Jalen Naylor. 
And I just, also, I just, I, Evan and I never declared that. That was solely a grant thing. Right, like I said. Yeah. I know. Yeah, like I said. Um, make it your bad reason. fumble, bad snap. Bad. Like, some of the play calling bad. just was like – Coaches so well, and then you, like then you just revert backwards. You're not progressing forward throughout the game. Like you just revert backwards in your game plan instead of like okay, this worked. Let's continue to build on that. It's like you're going back to like basic plays. It was like a it's like a triple option. Okay, it's a read. Okay, I can read bubble, and now we're throwing just a quick bubble, and I don't think one of them got positive yards. Alex was we ready. To do that. We tried to do that early in the third quarter. Alex was ready to like fire someone mid game in this game. Mm, I wouldn't go to that extreme, but the first half coaching was – this is the first time this year where, you know, there's been bad play calls. That's going to happen every week, but it felt like the whole coaching staff was struggling. I don't know what uh, – Grant made the joke that maybe they were all hungover the night before. Yeah. Like they got super hammered. Mel took the guys out to, that, to uh, they had a game Saturday. They went to catch steak in New York City but and had a late train back to Hoboken the next day. I thought the players overall executed pretty well, but the coaches did not put them in a great spot to win. Now, it helps when you're just far superior than Rutgers, Butters, as they call them. They do. If that really helps that you're way better than them. But I mean, I thought the first half coaching performance was abysmal. And I'm sure we're about to get into the terrible clock yeah, management. Yeah, so we have a flea flicker. So after they kick the field goal, it's 14-13. Then just one play. We do the flea flicker. Barstool now has three. flea flicker. You, apparel. Um, I guess we're just branding ourselves as that. Three for three. Three touchdowns. As good as you we can execute that. Yeah. Put it on film. They got to they gotta get ready for it. Now I'm just going to say it right now. Michigan can't get what, Yeah, I was about to There's say, no like, what, what should I do? If they, if they if they hit one of those on October 30th, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, do. there's no way that I will break something. Michigan State executes that for another touchdown. No. There's no way. It's all over film at this point. I mean, I don't know. Do they design it differently? I don't. I, I, I think every never... time it's just four go routes, and he just Peyton Thorne just No, but Jalen Naylor like, like played it off. Like The one that we ran against Nebraska, he kind of ran a little bit to the left. It wasn't like a straight just like dive play. He kind of a little outside zone a little bit left, and it was like a toss back to his right, back towards the middle. And you just got to get more creative with them. I mean, you might see a reverse flea flicker where, you know, you hand it off, reverse, and throw back to the quarterback, that type of thing. Like what Rocky Lombardi tried to do, you know, fairly easily. Guys, I've never seen a team hit, I don't think, two flea flickers in a season, let alone three now. So, I Three through six games. Maybe they can We're keep at it going. a 50% clip through six games, which is ridiculous. But Evan, walk me through the mismanagement of the clock at the end of the half. After, make, it, make it make sense. But also, let's talk about Michigan no, State scored a touchdown with Kenneth Walker and had a holding call. And then all of this transpired. True. True. I mean, it was an obvious holding call. I'm not saying that it wasn't. What a score. The dude got bodied. He was on his knees. And he just was like, yep, you're coming with me. And <laughs> it, like in my mind, like you're an offensive lineman. You just have to hold up your guy. If you know it's like a bounce potential bounce play for like half a second, yeah, there's just one no half a second, and Kenneth Walker will probably bounce it. For and every play with Kenneth Walker is a potential bounce play. There's really no reason to hold correct on that. Okay, so like that that drive was 12 plays, 55 yards, five minutes and 16 seconds. Don't get any points out of it because Coglin shanked it slash you know why? Because Shiano Man did the double ice. The red did the double, double ice. It's the highlight of Rutgers' game. He lost his mind. <laughs> you would have thought Rutgers just won the title. <laughs> he just ran off the field locker as fast as he could. It's ridiculous. But so there's 25 seconds left, and 
there has to be somebody in the ear of Mel Tucker or the offensive coordinator before this, we even get down that close. Like we call a timeout with 54 seconds left. Okay. So there's about a minute left. There has to be somebody that knows the exact execution of when we're calling the next timeout and what the situation is right, right, right there. He goes under center. And if you want to run another play, you're trying to get the play call in took absolutely forever. I think there was like about 20 some seconds left. You had a timeout too. You have a timeout. Technically, you can still run one play. The clock is rolling. We completed a pass to Connor Hayward. Some stupid tunnel screen. They well executed for them defensively. It's all over film. Okay, so now the clock is running with 35 seconds left. At one point, okay, you have a timeout in the bag. Do we let it run all the way down or want to run a play? Obviously, the coach was like, we want to run another play. Okay, my mindset is you have one timeout. and You can run any play in the playbook because you have – a timeout like you run over the middle, you don't have to worry about the sidelines or the end zone. There has to be a situation where a coach knows we have to get the playoff before a given amount of time. In my head, I said, okay, you have to snap it at least at the latest of 12 seconds. And Payne Throw is still looking at the sideline with 12 seconds still on the clock. My head, you should be able to try to snap that like around 20. My thought. A little to bit. get yourself comfortable time. Why not just call a timeout when there was 20 seconds left, have one play, just go to the end zone, and then kick the field goal? I mean, there was about five different things you could have done there, and we chose the one that didn't work. <laughs> and then also on the – once you finally do get the snap off, Peyton Thorne takes all day to throw it. He's trying to right, and then he doesn't throw like a quick pass. He throws like a looper in the back 40, of the 40-yard pass out of the back of the stadium. Oh, my God. And then we were gifted with a second left, which was accurate. And then you don't kick it because of timeout. Then you make it, but timeout. And then a fake timeout, which everyone's applauding Shiano for. And Kylan, you can say it was blocked, but he shanked it. So, yeah. Second half was boring. Highlight was the one play 94 yards by touchdown. Um, Other than that, there was a lot of punts. There was really only one play I remember in the balance where – Rutgers missed a deep throw that probably would have put him on the ten going in when it was when it was twenty one thirteen. I think they did that little double fake handoff play they ran earlier in the in the half. It was a corner out with a lot of field and he just missed them. And I think once that play missed and then a punt happens and then Kenneth cribs it, it's like okay, this game's over. I mean, if if as long as it was hanging the twenty one thirteen balance, you could convince yourself if you were on the other side of this game thinking you know. There could be one college football game play that happens in every game where um, things get crazy and then you never know what's going to happen. Turns out the college football-esque play happened after the missed throw and Kenneth went 94 yards. There was one funny clip from the second half besides X's and O's where uh, Chiano was begging for a uh, like safety, I think he wanted, it a, and he just came. Oh, my God. Did he know the rules? I, I don't I think he did. I asked the TV. I, I think he out. wanted – Does is He he uh, wanted grounding, and it was pretty clear that Thorne was out of the pocket. It, there was a receiver in the area, too. Yeah. Like, but it was, I think he was – I think he was screaming because of the – there was a flag, a legal chop block on Kenneth Walker, and so he was trying to argue since Peyton Thorne was in the end zone. Which is not. It should count as a safety – but the foul didn't occur in the end zone. I think that's what he was arguing, not the intentional ground. Interesting. The something. foul would have to occur in the end zone for it. Correct. It wasn't yeah, in the end yeah. zone. Not he came flying down the field. It was so funny. It's one of the most ridiculous things. Greg Shannon's a clown. 
Honestly. With those slanted nose tackles, though. I told you oh, guys. Uh, my last like main point from the game is Cal Halliday made a massive difference for the defense. The linebackers look lost without him. I think just in terms of having he gets a, lined up, you a know, captain, a leader. They're break defense. He, uh, he gets the guys in the right spots, and he is very crucial to Michigan State's defense being the average defense that they are. I think I'll Ben Van be- Summeren is poop. <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. I think one of the main points I wrote down, too, it was, I guess, if you're an unbiased college football analyst like myself, this was a good showing for Michigan State to prove that they can be an explosive offense without the aid of Jaden Reed because he had, for all intents and purposes, like a ghost game. Like, I, you really could have taken him out of the game, and I think the result's the exact same. So I think that was encouraging in a way to see that it's not a one-dimensional need to lean on him to make a couple big plays in a game. And as a biased Michigan State person, I never thought that we would ever be one-dimensional because I knew we had a three-headed monster. And I think most Michigan State fans know that Jalen Naylor is the real deal. They just didn't – they chose not to get him involved that much. The safeties played pretty well for Michigan State, I felt like, in this football game. Gross was laying the boom. Yeah. And then player. 64, uh, I don't know his name. Jacob Slade. Slade. Jacob Slade almost had the moment that you dream about. <laughs> the big um, man touchdown was in it, his sights. I've never – the ball went so perfectly up right in his basket. Great and hands then, by him. That, Juiciest hop you can ask for. <laughs> he could have fair caught it. In the air. He could have fair caught that bounce, thing. One bounce on the turf. He couldn't catch it. He was too slow to catch up to it. But it did bounce perfectly into his hands. And he thought he probably thought all oh, crib in this, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he got clipped down, and his whole body's flying forward. I was worried he was going to fumble. Yeah, I was expecting him to fumble and see that thing just shoot like fifteen yards the other way. And some oh, like, that reminded me of one other terrible thing for Michigan State. Luke Kevin Campbell trying to pick it up and run. Luke, it was Luke or Campbell. Was it Luke Campbell? You can't pick that ball up and try to run. You are not a tailback. And he picks it up and fumbles it right back down to the turf. And all you had to do is just jump on it. So I was really pissed off. Um, alarming thing I would say, just uh, if we're you know the, the whole nitpick thing, which our show loves to do, uh, is that giving up two third and eighteens is not something that's sustainable in future games. So gotta clean that up. Whatever whatever's going on. Uh, page out of the Detroit Lions playbook against the Ravens. Got to figure out the second one was more we an adjustment. The game there. was over. I don't. That was at it was thirty one thirteen on the second one. And then. Have to give credit where credit is due. I know there, there's some um, harsh feelings for, I would say, this player on this podcast, but Matt Coughlin set a field goal make record for Michigan State University. So Helps when you play college for 10 years. Thanks, Matt. Almost thinking we weren't going to get it done there uh, after the fake in in the first. you know, And then you miss. And then, and miss. then you get one at the end of the game. And then got it. So, I don't know. Those, those are all my takeaways. Anything else from, a, I guess, a game that you had to win, and they did. And I think, you know, Rutgers, everyone could say they're almost there. They're still not very good. They're still but They're still butt. Recruiting class or two away, as they like to say. They're a few years away still. I think Shiano's a clown. <laughs> I don't think he's a bad coach. They do questionable things offensively. But their, de- their defense will always give you fits, but they do questionable things offensively. They're just, they're just a slow team. They just don't have money playmakers. All right, let's transition to the other game. The show cares about in the Big Ten. Michigan survives Lincoln, Nebraska, the, the nightmare that was that night. 32 at Nebraska, 29. Uh, Scott Frost was not fired this morning, was he? No. Because he can't fall. Fum- it's not his fault. His team keeps fumbling the ball. Stop, Alex. 
undisciplined football team. I know like their team blew some things, but undisciplined football team. Some point, Grant, the players have to play. Overall, I guess I'm still, I don't know. I Nerve wracking. Big picture thoughts is like, it almost felt like one of those college basketball mentalities where just survive in advance. You know, like everyone's trying to get this over the edge to October 30th undefeated, especially for this podcast. Talk about ratings galore. Just survive in advance until the 30th. Let's just get there, get to that point, and then play that game undefeated. So they survived this test. I knew the atmosphere was going to be bonkers, um, even though their team's pretty pathetic. It was bonkers. They had a sweet entrance. The entrance was one of the, the Nissan pregame rush, as they say in the business, was, was very electric. And they had you know a great light show like I anticipated. I don't really know. Like It was one of those ones where it was a tale of two halves again where the game was pretty much – I mean, for, there was a real point in this game where I thought Nebraska was not going to score. And it probably was halftime where I was like, I don't know if they have what it takes to actually get the ball in the end zone. And then clearly they found – I don't – so I've heard from people that play football at this level that they say halftime adjustments are like kind of a myth. Like they do happen, but they're not like all it's cooked up to be. So I don't know if this was Scott for us adjustments or just – I think in Nebraska's offense, you have to be so dialed in for ball fakes and the option and the play action that I think that just wears on you over a game and they are going to get some plays. Because all of their plays were like – big chunk all their touchdowns were big chunk touchdowns where someone just got caught on a ball fake or they caught Michigan on a bad blitz play where like the play call they had was perfect like I'm thinking of that like looping screen pass to the right that they just cribbed for like 30 yards and then which was illegal was they had five men in the back well again that happened there was several it was a sloppy game review wise turnover wise ref wise um, ref wise Coaching-wise, where Michigan had the classic, like, five false starts in a rowdy environment, that was just tough. You almost could bank on, like, moving five yards back every drive at some point. <laughs> and then Nebraska had, like, several, like several legal formations, whether they were called or not. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think, if any, quick hitters from afar from this game, looking at it? Well, I, I thought this would happen. So Correct. Like you, were, you, that. you were pretty nails on this Said game. Michigan would be down late, score late to win, which happened. So I knew it would be a rowdy environment. It, it, uh, I think the biggest question I have for you, Grant, that I would love to hear from you specifically okay. is uh, just what are your thoughts on Cade McNamara through six games? Because I thought this game, he once again just underwhelms me. He's just not – he doesn't seem like the guy. Hmm. I'm going to start it off with a shout-out to a tweet I saw. I believe it was someone texted Ant Wright, who's a pretty big Michigan Twitter account um, that our podcast follows, so I kind of see those tweets come through during the game. He got a text from someone that said, Cade Magnamera is like a car on the highway driving five miles an hour over the speed limit but refuses to get out of the left lane. And I think there's people have a truth to that is like, it's maddening, but he's, like, good enough. Like, he's still going over the speed limit, thankfully. You know, he's not driving under the speed limit. There's some talent there. There's some um, – you know, he did throw – okay, so he did throw his first pick of his collegiate career, which was going to happen at some point. So, I can still say safely he's good at ball security. I'm still comfortable saying that even though he threw a pick. So, had to get that out of the way. He's good at ball security, uh, game management, game manager. He hits some throws here and there. Like, he doesn't – he's not missing – like every easy throw, but it's not 100% accurate, which no one is. 
do I deep down in my gut still think that the ceiling is capped because of him being quarterback? Yes. But I also realize, I think we had this debate earlier in the week, is that you just simply cannot, you cannot bench him to like start a game. Like you can't just be like next week or, you know, until they lose, you can't be like, oh, J.J. McCarthy's going to start. I think that'd be psychotic. So to my next question to Evan. But wait, you can pull him like Oklahoma did. You can pull him. In the middle of the game, I thought at some point it, they might make the switch in this game. You know, you had six points for the longest time. The offense did not look stunningly sharp. Shout out the run game. We'll even get to that X's and O's a little bit later. But, like, you can pull him in the middle of the game, but you can't start J.D. McCarthy until they lose. Now, my question to Evan, a non-biased uh, college football observer. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what would you do about the quarterback situation in Ann Arbor? Will you ride I mean, K to a loss? I'm riding him the rest of the year. Just there, I haven't seen anything in a meaningful game that tells me J.J. McCarthy is better than him. And I mean, the credits to the coaches. I mean, you're putting J.J. McCarthy in there to fail um, when it's like Damian Terry 2.0, just he's more talented than Damian <laughs> Terry. It's it's in there, and it's read option either left or right. Great so point, Evan. Yes, he does have talent to throw, and there is that option. Okay, he could turn around and throw the ball on me, but I – 75% chances he's going in there to run. And there was a crucial third down at the end of the game where he went in there. I thought that was a terrible, terrible and, decision. Like, if you're Nebraska and you see him run in, it's instantly, okay, everybody press up, man up everybody, and then everybody else just go out. Yeah. Like, I would rather see them try to do, like, the same read option play with Kate McNair where they're not expecting him to run. Like, I, I guess he has, like, a couple long throw touchdowns this year, but it's against inferior opponents where those backups – Typically shouldn't be on the field. I'm almost um, right now. Kate McNamara, he's doing all right. He's he hasn't lost him a game. He hasn't done anything to hurt Michigan lose a game. Yeah, like you go into and, and it like this game as close as it, is, it was. You're not saying you're not saying oh we only won by three because Kate McNamara did this 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 and this wrong. He had one turnover. Was it a bad throw? Absolutely, but a lot of quarterback throw interceptions. Yep. I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the J.J. McCarthy. The maddening thing is I like seeing him in games, but there's no creativity to it. I'm almost 100% certain. Maybe throw out, like, the Western blowout and the other blowouts that have happened in the year. But in the meaningful games he's came in, when they're trying to sprinkle him in, every single play has been off the action of, like, a handoff to start. He's never just come in and taken a normal snap and shotgun and looked to throw. So it's pretty much either going to be – a read option with him, and I think they uh, – I don't think the Dalen Bowen touched on what – and the game was basically over by that time anyway. So that is not even the meaningful. Any meaningful snap when the game's in the balance still, it's been like a read option play. There's no – and they're, I guess they're just saving it. As they say, they're just saving the playbook. Just I, I wonder – Come in, read option. As a Michigan State fan. Is that going to be the game? Is that going to be the game where they throw JJ in, everyone in the stadium's expecting run, and then they throw them? They, it's going to have to happen at some point I, where there's going to have I'm to be a post, post route behind the, the read option and then try to hit it. And then it's probably either going to be picked or a touchdown. I was just going to say, it's intercepted or a touchdown. That's how I guess it could be overthrown. Whatever. Um, actual game flow. Some notes I took throughout the game is that you can call questionable play calling, I'd say. I think in hindsight, so I guess Michigan's first drive ended on a brutal um, dropped pass I would, by Sanders still. Uh, it was a great extend the play by Cade and just dropped. 
So Nebraska goes down. They're moving the ball well. I'm like, oh boy, this offense is moving the ball well. And then I, I don't know, you know, hindsight's 2020. Scott Frost decides to go for it. Probably jazzed up adrenaline on fourth and two. I, if he had known that it was going to be such a Big Ten football game, which he probably should have because he's a coach of their team going in, you take the points there. But I think he was jazzed up and like, oh, we moved the ball so easy. We'll probably be down in the red zone a lot tonight. Goes for it. Heck of a play by six-year senior Brad Hawkins to extend that. Yeah, I, Evan, you can jump in here. I see you shaking your head. You're mad at Scott Frost for doing that. Absolute one. There's two people I'm mad at. One is uh, Adrian Martinez. On uh, He had the ball down the goal line. It's um, bu- 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 second down. Adrian Martinez. Um, he scrambles towards like a run right, and he kind of falls out of bounds. Now it's third and two. Like, if you fight for those extra two yards, now you have four downs from the three-yard line to, like, get in. Yeah, you're trying to protect yourself and you're a quarterback, but I don't really – I don't think he had that much pressure on him. And then Scott Frost, obviously, I don't know where you're seeing your offense this explosive. Like, I'm going to score 50 points no matter who. Like, Northwestern is the worst team in the Big He was thinking about Northwestern. You're right. When you're when you're a big underdog against a top 10 team in the country and you have a chance to score first with a field goal, what are you doing? You kick the field goal. Well, I mean, what are you now, doing? Granted, in his head, because he's been thinking, okay, I've had field goal troubles the entire year. But you're also on, field like, goal. You're on a three-yard line. Like I think anyone three-yard It's ridiculous. Um, so that was a huge momentum, and then nothing really of substance happened until one of Michigan's better defensive players, Daxton Hill, makes an unbelievable dirty thirty interceptions. Is that what they're calling them? The kids in the street, dirty thirty. Zero dark thirty. It was one of the better just individual effort plays I think you'll see this season. Just tipped it to himself, laying down, staring at it, catches it. Uh, also, I guess, chop or shout out RJ Moten for coming in, almost ruining the whole play. <laughs> he dives in with like two hands and almost breaks it up. And I thought, oh, go- oh gosh, we're going to go review this and turn it over. But I think the right call was made. I think he controlled it even through that bobble of Moten. And I don't think it really hit the ground. And then here's where the gripes come in. So you pick up a first down um, after that. Obviously, you're in Nebraska's territory where the pick was thrown. And then I believe, if I want to say it was like they got a first down – run for like five yards okay they bring in jj here he comes oh my gosh it's like six and five i wonder if they'll throw it they run a read option uh it gets stuffed for a yard and now it's third and four and they keep jj on the field what are they going to do is this going to be the beautiful play action are we going to get something maybe a little tight end sneak with a rollout get get your mobile quarterback out there rolling give him an option no we're just going to run a read option he gives it to haskins gets stuffed again so again like you, like we talk about nitpicking things with um, third and 18's Michigan State giving up the Rutgers, nitpicking things is like when you get an interception against Michigan State, Penn State, or Ohio State in their territory, that has to be seven. That cannot be three. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot with running the same play on second and five and third and five with no creativity and kicking a field goal. Um, I'll get my shout-out Jake Moody now with the first field goal. We don't, they don't win that game if it's not for him. Goes four for four, I believe. So massive kicks from Jake Moody after he missed a big one um, against Rutgers. Since then, he's been nails. Since then, been nails. Um, and then, boys, let me take you on a journey through the drive from hell in Grant's brain. Unbelievable sequence of events this whole drive was. It was a roller coaster of emotion. So Michigan has a third and one almost at midfield on their side of midfield. Gets the first down. Clear as day. Maybe from the broadcast you thought Haskins' knee could have been down because he was blocked by like a – the view was blocked by a defender blocking. But it looked clear as day. Stayed on his feet. Gets the first down. And then there was a clear holding 
by Michigan on that play, which was not called. I mean, anytime there's a third and one and you have an offensive lineman rolling, doing a barrel roll, and a defensive lineman's on the ground with them, probably was a hold. So they don't call that. And then they – because Michigan was scrambling before that play even started. And I thought for sure there was going to be some illegal shift, illegal motion, illegal formation. Turns out they go, there's no penalty for illegal formation on the play, fourth down. And it's like, what? What do you mean? If there's no penalty, that was a first down. <laughs> like he's five yards past the first down almost. So Jim Harbaugh's freaking out. You know, he's breathing through his mouth the whole game. So his mouth is wide open at this point. He's like, what's going on? Like mouth breather. Review, 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 screaming, nothing. Play class getting down to one. I'm like, I guess he's just going to burn a timeout here. Just do the old, hey, we're going to take a timeout so you have to review it, which isn't even a thing in football. Does it. And he's screaming review. And I think – Thankfully, like a good break is the crew was like, yeah, maybe we should go take a look at that. Maybe the game's moving too fast for us. So they go take a look at it. They're like, yeah, first down and you get your timeout back because it counts as an official review. So that was a good break. And then the next play, which I love, I'll give Gattis credit here. I did like a play call briefly earlier in the game on a third and 10. They went five wide empty set, which is rare for Michigan. And they were in a beautiful tight end delay for an easy first down. Oh my God. First things first. They ran this play like about three times during the game. Like, fool me once, good for you. Fool me twice, okay, shame on me. By the third time, I don't get what Nebraska's defense is doing. They, they It's the same dude lined up in the same exact spot. Yeah. Like, okay, it's like a – he's not one on the line. He's like awful. The like, H-back, like, kind of. Almost like a wink, yes. Yeah. Like, and like, I think two of them, you're in man. You're in man. And then he's like, oh, he's staying still. See you later. I'm going after Cade. It's like, no, you're in man, dog. It is stunning. In that third time, it was like on the drive like to win the game. Yeah, it was a third and eight to Eric All where they just did the same play. He's just wide open. Donning how bad Nebraska wants to lose. They just do stupid bleeps every game over and over. I I don't don't know what goes to like the defensive coordinators. Like, and I don't like, I don't know why they're not running, like writing plays down. Like, okay, third down, this is what they ran against us so far in the game. And I don't know why it wasn't set. Yeah. And then alarm bells could go off. Like, oh my God, they're in in the same formation. This could be the same. I mean, credit's mystery to call on the play three times. That's a good play design. Yeah. Because the first, the first time that they ran it, it was like parting of the seas and there was nobody even close to whoever caught it. I don't remember the kid's name. Um, but he had like a third. The first one was Schoon, Schoonmaker or something, yeah. Schoonmaker? Yeah. Schoonmaker? Schoon. Um, so the reversal call happens, and I love taking a shot on the next play because everyone's kind of lulled to sleep at how long, like watching the game, that was like almost like 15 minutes of real time. So this is when the drive from hell starts. So Todd Blackledge called it out. As soon as we got back from the break, Todd Blackledge literally said, I think this would be a good time for Michigan to go deep. All right. Maybe Todd was like talking to Josh. You know, they're, they're, they had a little pee break during that review, and they were talking shop in the men's restroom. And they come out and they dial one up. And again, I guess this is where if you want to nitpick and be a Cade hater, I'm not going to call Alex a Cade hater, but if you were a Cade skeptic, you'd be like, hey, Cade, just put a little bit more air on that, and it's a walking touchdown, which is true. I guess. Did he drop that? Did that ball hit the ground? No, he caught it. It was yeah, but when he rolled over, the ball was in his legs, in between his knees and at his feet. It was, he didn't have it in his chest the entire time. It, I'm not saying it did. I'm not being that fan. But, like, the fact that they didn't, like, look at it closely. Yeah, like, the review happened. But nobody in the broadcast or no coach, yeah. like, ever, like, hesitated. Because the ball did move when he rolled. Because he had it first. Great effort. Way to die for it. 
But then when he brought it in, like the ball rolled all the way down in between his knees. The ball was moving around the whole the whole way, and I get so lost with NFL and college. Like, what is the catch? How lenient are we? I don't think the ball ever hit the actual turf, and I think that's why it was okay. The ball was moving. The ball. I mean, the up, ball was pointed the, out on his kneecaps. The ball ends up in his knees, but I don't think it ever hit the turf through the process. So I think he was still good because he ended up possessing it. Weird though, he didn't you know show some reviews. They did show replays of it. Slow motion. Like. Yes. But they, they did slow it down and like question, oh, did he catch this? I mean, they showed the was like, wasn't the play reviewed. Oh, they, no. they showed the replay over and over again about how good of a catch it was. But no, but nobody ever said, no. oh, the ball moved. I think they just got done with the fifteen minute review, and, and I think they're like, yeah, let's just let him have Beat this yeah. bad boy up. So again. Could all have been avoided if Cage just puts a little bit more air on it and you walk in, which is going to be a big factor at the end of the drive of hell. So you have that, which I'm thinking when the ball was released and I saw where Sanderson was, I was like, oh, touchdown, let's go. Nope, have to dive. It's college football, so you're down. At the Great play by him, too. Fantastic catch by him, who hasn't made a lot of big plays this year. Huge stepping up, and also in the absence of Roman Wilson, a little insider info, Alex texted the group earlier in the week saying Roman Wilson will be out of this game with a wrist problem. I think he's going to be back. He should be back after the bye. It's not as serious as... As it could have been. So, but yes, yeah, does up. not have to play against Northwestern. Let's just get that. Hope uh, Jaden should be starting North against Northwestern. Okay. I want to start that. Trip. We're getting lost in the drive of hell. So then we're in first and goal. Uh, great play by Nebraska, and then we get to some run plays. So the first one is t- called touchdown on the field. You're like, yep, Hassan Haskins, who's very good. Uh, sneaky aspect of him, sweaty Michigan fans will know he's really good at extending around the goal line and like still containing the ball and like not like he's just really good at staying his body and staying up for touchdowns so i'm like yep another touchdown of one of those they review it um turns out he's short by like an inch so then you get third and goal and this is one of those things where i'm going to nitpick the staff a little bit is where you had the same situation against wisconsin and a fourth and goal when you bring in jj to qb sneak why not do that again if it worked against Wisconsin, why not bring in JJ, your running specialist, in QB sneak? Because he's, I don't know, he's hes more agile, and he's got a longer, lankier frame when you're QB sneaking, which helps. Why not just do that? Because, I don't I hate handoffs. Like, handoffs, when you're that tight with all those guys in the box, are so sweaty. Like, so many things can go wrong. And then you have Cade, who's not the most athletic quarterback, and that's putting it nicely. And he, he gets, I guess, not really his fault. His center gets blown up because they're just bum-rushing, and he trips. And he hands it off, and they don't call it live, but it turns out his knee was down. So, again, touchdown on the field. Grant's happy. He's like, yes, finally, punch it in. Nope, they review this. So, again, three reviews on this drive. Turns out, not a touchdown. Evan, would have been a touchdown in the NFL, not in college. So, they scored a touchdown. I was like, oh, dang it, Michigan scored a touchdown. I was a Nebraska fan, hands up. I wasn't a good guy for the podcast. Fair. Um, <laughs> and they showed the first replay from, like, a ways back, just, like, the side view. And I said, out loud, verbally, I said, Kate Neckner is down. Wow. What a call. I, mean, I, I, I didn't I said he was down. <laughs> and I was screaming at Luke, who I was watching with, and I was like, Kate Neckner is down. Like, maybe he had, like, maybe he got the ball into his duck, but I said, Kate still had the ball in his hand. Then, mm-hmm. obviously, they eventually reviewed it. Yeah, and I knew the moment they showed the replay. You could tell when they showed the replay in the stadium, the crowd went bananas. And I was like, what are they cheering about? Michigan just scored. I go, oh, boy, with Kate's knee down. So the drive from hell continues, and then it only ends with a field goal. So that whole experience probably was like almost an hour of real live time, that whole drive, and it ended with three points. So that was brutal. And then 
the second half, Michigan's defense uh, steps up. There was almost a sack fumble. I blew my ball call there. I mean, I'm so good at ball calls. I thought that was a real sack fumble. Turns out his hand was going forward enough. DJ Turner gets a pass interference because he's the most physical corner in the country and always acts like he doesn't do anything wrong. Um, if he plays against Michigan State, you can bank on a 15-yarder in that one. Looking forward to it. But that drive, I'm going to take that drive right there to give some credit to the defensive line of Michigan outside of Hutchinson. Oh, David Ojabo and Mozzie Smith, two highly touted recruits who haven't really done much, didn't do much under Don Brown, are really flourishing in this new defense. And you can tell against Wisconsin and now Nebraska, um, even those two, you know, obviously there's the argument to be made, maybe so much attention is being paid to Hutchinson that it helps them, but whatever. The whole the whole defensive line is eating and Ojabo and Smith are having impact performances. And then it was good to see uh, a true Michigan two-minute drill um, work. It was basically Cade check down to Corn. Cade did a lot of check downs this game. Um, that's another common thing, which I enjoyed, actually, because he missed some in previous games where he tries to force it downfield. And I think they had serious talks during the week between, like, you know, Gaddis mainly and maybe the QB coach, Weiss, Matt Weiss, saying, hey, take the free with, – with your playmakers of Corum and – Eric All and A.J. Henning, you know, the playmakers, just take the five-yard completion and let them run for the first down. And he did that. He didn't get worried about the clock. You know, clock stops after first downs. And then a, a gutsy call that I've seen not work as of late, but a third and ten draw uh, worked beautifully on this two-minute drive. And I was stunning. And then um, I'd let, I'll let you guys uh, briefly – I'll stay out of this one because I don't apologize for it, but you guys can briefly touch about a pass interference call um, that happened during that drive that may or may not have been warranted. <laughs> Potentially the second worst call of the college football day, just behind the one in Piscataway. Horrendous call. Horrendous. I was stunned. But whatever. I'm sure you and can make an argument. It was on the Nebraska linebacker that was playing very well and had a very good game, yeah. like the captain of their defense. Um, good player. If he continued his route, like he just kept on running and it ran into him, I could see it. But he physically stopped. At, like They met together and they stopped said, hey, what's up? And then both of them at the same exact time looked up and watched the ball go flying over their heads. Yeah, pass interference evidence, obvious. Yeah, it was a bad bad call. It was a break. You don't apologize for it, but it went... (laughs) <laughs> it went Michigan's way. And then the gift went for another. Uh, we talked about it in Rutgers. Another ballsy 13 seconds from the three in shotgun. So the handoff's taking place at the seven. And you're running a, sh- a shotgun to run with Haskins with only one timeout left. So you kind of put yourself up against the wire if you don't score there. They do. Doesn't matter. You can look genius in retrospect. I don't know. It's still kind of a risky call there. Um, so you get the touchdown. You're up 13 nothing at halftime. Feeling pretty good. Feeling like Nebraska, like I said, may never score in this football game. Boy, did the second half get crazy. Um, I'll kind of fly through this a little bit faster here. But first of all, whatever they do at halftime with the balloons needs to stop. Or they need to do something different. Because you can't have balloons flying through the like camera at all points in the second half. And like the depth perception so off, I thought some of them were just like resting above the middle linebacker's head. <laughs> like you have no idea where these balloons are coming from and if they're actually impacting the game. I don't believe they were. Like what happens if someone throws a moonshot and hits one of them? Just play on? Yep. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and then – on the big touchdown, the first one Nebraska had, that was a classic just, I don't know what the defense was thinking. They got they all sucked in on this half-assed fake handoff. And it was one of those plays where the pass is caught 
And in my mind, like, oh, there's a safety back there. He'll make the play, like, just to stop this from being a touchdown. There's no safety back there. Everyone did. The most Nebraska the, put him to sleep. And then, yeah. Uh, it was one of those situations where um, you have a freshman linebacker, Junior Colson, in there. A uh, little, little learning lesson for him that don't bite on every fake. So that was tough. Um, and then Nebraska stops Michigan. Again, the balloons are flying by. You're like, what's going on? This is this is nightmare. Michigan gets a stop. And just for a little behind the peak curtain here, they punt it. I've talked about how good A.J. Haynes looked all season long returning punts. He's not his natural position. They had to kind of coach him up to get to that point. They released him to the wild a couple, like three weeks ago. He muffs one. And probably the biggest game to date, muffs a punt running backwards. As I'm walking. Uh, as Alex is returning from said wedding, he's like, oh, my God, what's going on? Didn't know the score. Didn't know the context. I go, shut your mouth. They were. It was when the dog pile was happening. And I was like, I think Michigan has it, but I don't know. The Nebraska players got that one wrong. They were screaming emphatically, we have the ball. We have the ball. They, they did not. They did not have the ball. And I guess I would say credit to Cade in the Michigan offense. That drive starts at the nine. And they go the length of the field and score a touchdown. Like, the response there, that game could have turned quickly. You know, you get into one of those Big Ten field battle things if you go three and out there. They go the length of the field and score a touchdown. Did they score right at the start of the fourth? Uh, no, it was the end of – Michigan scored at the end of the third there. So, three a minutes – Touchdown? Three minutes – Three minutes to go in the third after the muff punt. They they went from the nine to touchdown. Really? Yes. 91-yard drive. And this box score says they scored six points in the third quarter. So that – They went for two. That makes sense. So the play call, which I guess – you know, the, the announcing booth was giving Jim Harbaugh some flack for this call later in the game, which I guess hindsight's 50-50. In the moment, I thought it made sense to go for two. I was like, yeah, football math. Let's get to 21. Um, they didn't get it, and it turns out later, like – that was a big factor in the whole field goal. Like if you had just tipping the one point, a field goal later in the game would have put you up by That's one. analytics. Instead of being tied. That someone's probably on top of. That's not Jim Harbaugh's job. Um, that's just not something that I think that he's on top of. Someone should be in his ear about that. So, oh well. So that, that I'd like to give them credit for that drive. That's a huge response of a drive. And then Nebraska, basically from the same spot that scored their first touchdown, runs a play action running back shark wheel where Hutchinson is blowing up Martinez as he releases it and again the safeties and linebackers have their heads in the backfield off the action and he slips in behind one of those plays that is beautifully designed but you have to have time to get it off and they barely had enough they got it off I was screaming for a holding um it was a bad call by me it was not a hold uh you're just begging you're begging for anything at that point and then scary boy hours the end of the third Gate throws his first pick in collegiate football and this is when Gets is why it gets scary because the whole joke, not joke, but just kind of like stat people laugh at, like, oh, the only teams that haven't trailed in college football this year, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, Nebraska punches it in and they take the lead and they're they're winning now. So now you're trailing. And I will say this, you guys would like this. The play that they scored to take the lead was straight out of like a Michigan State, Michigan football game where it's this like three guys in motion pre-snap. Not really, because that's a flag. It should have been a flag. You said the illegal formation. But he takes a step back. This guy just leaks. He does like a motion to the quarterback and then pops back out. And Martinez just lofts his ball like seven feet high. Beautifully. And no one's on this guy. And he, I can just envision like a former Michigan State fullback scoring this player, like Connor Hayward. And just Trayvon Pettit. In the end zone, Nebraska's going crazy. Um, they went for two, and they get it, which is just even more devastating because now a field goal only ties it. And then you set yourself up. They go to the fourth quarter. They do this crazy red light show thing. I saw some behind the scenes that Michigan was bouncing around to that. So that was good to see it. See, it wasn't a one-trick jump around pony. 
they still did it when they're down. And then to be honest with you guys, this game was such a blur. There's the Eric All play. There's the there's the uh, third and eight clear out. Uh, really questionable throw. Oh, that's awesome. Those are defensive offsides. Those are super nerve wracking when there's a defensive offside and your team takes a deep shot and you're just like, let's make sure they were offsides because if that was a turnover, that's going to be really bad. Um, Corum breaks a big run, huge for him. They had, he had a nice game. I missed the corn celebration live, but that's pretty sweet that you're just eating corn right there. And then a fluke play for the ages. I remember Alex was just like, Alex, I'm not going to lie. That triggered me when you're like, oh, that's just such bad luck. When Martinez is scrambling to Rosen, uh, goes through 22 Jamon Green's hands and falls into the tight end's lap for Nebraska. And he gets for 30 yards. Like 30-yard gain. Um, did they score on this drive? Yeah. A touchdown? No. Yeah. Yeah. 29-26 with seven minutes to go in the fourth. Alex Gillen's prophecy is unfolding before our eyes. Nebraska takes the lead late in the game with six minutes. And then Hassan Haskins has the nuts to jump a guy uh, on like a 10-yard run that turned it into like a 40-yard run. I, it's one of those smoother hurdles I've ever seen where he landed and like kept going at the same speed. There's a third and nine for Michigan. Uh, did they get it? They did. They ran the check down tight end play that we discussed. You know, the little delay. You find yeah. a guy, makes a play. Fourth and then time. a third and 12, no good. So then Moody comes in, bangs it, 29-29. And then this, I guess, is where the game really happens. Um, Evan, you had a funny text today that ended up being jinxed because the Lions lost. Thanks but a lot. Yeah. You know, shaking hands of Martinez fumbling the game away and Madison fumbling the game away. Two things on this play. Unreal play by Brad Hawkins. Uh, I said his name earlier for stopping Martinez on fourth and two. He basically just stood up Martinez. Now, Nick, Pick- Nick Pickers could say that forward progress was stopped, but I thought he was still kind of turning the legs. I'll there. go Nick Picker. Yeah. I thought mean, it was stopped. They could have stopped that. That's a third and one. He's still moving the pile. He was they they pile. never blow the whistle early in any sport that you're watching. They like, never do. Like, for example, they're we, pretty much taught. We now. saw today in the Lions game that Madison kind of looked stopped and he scored a touchdown on that play. Like, he got shoved into the end zone to score. So It's a little different on the goal line, but <laughs> yes, sure. So, stands him up and just rips the ball and recovers it himself. Uh, and then second unreal was Alex Gillen with the best ball call I've ever seen. Balls out. In my I life. I screamed it. I knew it. There was a wall of bodies. I was like, oh, he just got stuffed. Here comes the, the, here comes the progress to stop the whistle. And then he's like, balls out. And I'm like, what? The ball's out? How? Picks it up. You're like, oh, my God, is he going to score it? No, he gets tackled. Grant was fully buzzed at this point. He could not see the ball out. Could not see the ball out. Was screaming, oh, my gosh, ball, ball, score, score. Again, which will nitpick again. When you get a turnover, guys, in another team's red zone, you have to get seven. Michigan is not able to get seven. They get three. So, bad. Bad again. And then Nebraska goes on their potentially game-tying or game-winning drive. Did absolutely and Daxton Hill just plays. made another great play on their final effort and taunted a kid. But, you know, in that moment, taunt all you want. Uh, so Michigan pulls out a scary win, a much-needed win to stay undefeated. I think my only main takeaway, like X's and O's. Your like, only? My main. I said my main. You said your only main. My only main. Got it. My only main takeaway is that I was impressed that Michigan was able to lean on Nebraska and really pound the rock at will when they wanted to. And I appreciate they did not abandon the run game when they got behind and leaned into the run game, and I think that's what saved this game. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know Corum and Haskins both had nice days on the ground, and their yards per carry averages were very solid. 
So again, the woes of McNamara happened here and there, but he's not done anything to lose the game for Michigan. And it was very impressive against Nebraska's talented defensive line to, yeah, 21 for 123, six yards of carry, long of 50, two touchdowns for Haskins, 13 carries for 89 yards, 6.8 per carry, long of 29 for Corum. So the, the, the offensive line, the running game, they leaned on Nebraska throughout the game. You could kind of, especially tell in the second half, there were some long sustained drives where they were just moving, like just Big Ten, bodies moving bodies in that game, and they pulled it out. Let me ask you this, Grant. Who is RB1 going forward? Blake Corum. Now, let me ask both of you this question. But, again, like, if I'm going to be, like, vanilla, it really just depends on the team you're playing. No explanation required. I like giving an explanation. Kenneth Walker, Blake Corum, or Hassan Haskins? I'll take Kenneth Walker. Yeah, well, I don't know why you did. Yeah, Kenneth Walker. I just better. see this on our Twitter, all these Michigan fans trying to trying to go the other way. I just don't see it. No, Kenneth Walker is like Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum made a baby. It's like he's fast and shifty, and he's also, like, the best strong. Back in the no, I'm doing actual attributes. He's strong and also shifty and has bounce. So he's, like, a mix of the two. Yes, he's better than both. Got it. Just making sure. My only takeaway from this game is Nebraska continues to find ways to lose games. Yes. So. They do. They had that one. They had the one against Michigan State. They just can't figure it out. My biggest takeaway coming from this is Scott Frost not knowing his offensive system after four years. Um, refused to run the triple option that he ran against Michigan State and had success against it. He ran a couple times, had success against Michigan with it. Um, and I don't know why he thought this game, he, Adrian Martinez is going to be a dropback passer. <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> Nebraska stuns you every week. I, I wrote down one big point. They said Adrian Martinez had to run more to win that game, and they just didn't enough. Yeah, I agree. I will give a little credit. It seemed like we talked about the whole Mike McDonald. What was their scheme be? Like he came from Lamar Jackson in practice. What are they going to prioritize? It seemed like they prioritized making sure Martinez could not uh, – get the big runs on the speed options. Like, especially with Hutchinson, they had him perfectly play uh, Martinez head up and also, like, a little shade the inside because you know how speed option quarterbacks love to fake the pitch and then dart inside for yards. He played those perfectly. And so a lot of the big plays on the speed options were when they actually pitched the ball um, to to the pitch man. So that was a good defensive scheme-wise, but survived it. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of coaching moments into the bye week for Michigan. But now, let's transition to Q2. So, some big picture questions here, even some midseason awards. Would you guys like to go first for your midseason awards? We'll do those first, or would you like me to go for, for mine? Depends. Okay. You're going to be – you got a lot of information to hand out? No, I'm going to go flying faster. You can go first. Okay. So – You want me to ask you the questions? So then – Yeah, like who is – yeah. Okay. Who is the Michigan team MVP? Team MVP through Michigan through six games, six and zero. I would say is Aiden Hutchinson. I would say he is a game wrecker, a guy that when you're on offense and offensive coordinator, you have to game plan around. You have to make sure we have whether that's be um, as Evan points out, like you have guys that chip him. You have you you have to, you don't get to put your running back out on a swing route because you need him back to block. And I also am going to take that MVP approach as. Most valuable in the sense that I think he's like the biggest 
team leader in like locker room encourager. Like you saw the emotion of him and Harbaugh almost like, like banging heads after the game. Like they're just squeezing each other's skulls. Like let's effing go. Like huge win on the road at Nebraska. So I think just his his energy, his charisma, his leadership for Who Michigan. Who is Michigan's best offensive player? Best offensive player is Blake Corum. I was gonna do like a cop out and just say Caesar, Evan. I was already asking. I was gonna do a cop out and say like the whole offensive line, which I think actually might be rightfully so. Dumb, but dumb answer. I can't just give it to I'm gonna give it to one I'm gonna say Blake Horn. Because I was not banking on him coming into the season being this good. Michigan's best defensive player. I think this is best defensive player. And now this was the caveat that you I would like to propose the rule that you cannot overlap. So even like you could say Aiden Hudson here, but I'm going to say Daxton Hill. Because I am not going to overlap. So Daxon Hill has, has been Michigan's Uh-oh. best defensive player. Evan is audibly. audibly okay, Evan, we're doing it together. We'll figure oh. it out. Under the radar player so far this season. Under the radar player, I think you saw this in the Rutgers game, is Josh Ross. Josh Ross, stalwart linebacker, number 12. Uh, he got a shoulder injury in the Rutgers game. When he left, things got a little bit looser in the middle. And then against Wisconsin, and now Nebraska been making a lot of plays, and everyone seems to be on the same page on defense. What's your favorite play of the season so far for Michigan? Favorite play? It's obvious. Oh, now I'm nervous. It's obvious. Is it is it recent? Is it recency bias? Grant, yeah, say your but, I mean, it still is a highlight of like. Say it. I'm going to say best play as in not most important, coolest was Daxon Hill's pick. Would not have okay. Um, best uniform. I just thought that was an unbelievable play. Oh, I'm gonna help all Michigan fans and say the favorite play was oh, Haskins jumping over hurtling a grown man in open field and continuing to run. Was that what you have said? I would have went with that, or a JJ throw, or a JJ touchdown. <laughs> because I'm a troll. Haskins. I'm just like, trolling. You gotta man. combine like okay, as a fan, like you were not in the stadium, so you gotta carry their favorite play is at. The call to Sean McDonald's call on that run was electric. Plus, just have to go listen again. the game script, the the tightness of the game. I thought that Evans. Point. That was the biggest biggest nuts play of the season, and probably most important situation. But coolest, the coolest play was Dax Hill's big best out. uniform combination would be the all blues against Washington. Seems like an obvious answer. Those are crisp. Okay, now for the Michigan State midseason awards. Drum roll. How do we want to do this, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to have to pick somebody offensively. Yeah, the last five years, Michigan State has had no running game. I think the obvious answer here is Kenneth Walker's seven yards per carry and nation's leading rusher. He is the team MVP. Was that your answer, Evan? Um, I wrote that down before I knew that we can't overlap. But we can there. find another offensive best player, Evan. And I got the offensive best player. Which is? Which is? We brought stability to a position that's been lacking stability over the last couple of years. Right now, it's Peyton Thorne. God, we are we're in stride. The right production now. at that value, um, somebody that you weren't expecting at the beginning of the year, and he's exceeded expectations by a dr- drastic amount. We are walking in stride here. Who is Michigan State's best defensive player? Do you want to switch now, Evan? Do you want this one? No, go ahead. It should be the same guy, and if it's not, then something's wrong. I'm going Xavier Henderson, the uh, the quarterback of the defense. Leads the team in tackling on defense, brings stability in the secondary. We give up a lot of pass plays, but I mean it's been don't break defense right now. And he's an excellent player. 
Evan, who, he has the catch of the year. So, Evan, who is Michigan State's under the radar player? Oh, I wrote three names down, but there, I think the I first thing that came to my head, I wrote down Trey Mosley. Oh, um, that's oh. deep under the radar, but I I would agree. He's got twenty plus catches, I think, for three hundred yards, solid. Um, but it's halfway through the year, so if you like forty for six hundred, pacing it out, pretty solid. And at the beginning of the year, I said we needed a third wide receiver to step up, and he's filling that role better than I was expecting. Um, and then a couple other names I wrote down: Darius Snow and Simeon Barrow for the defensive side. Um, where Barrow's stepping in for big shoes to fill and Darius Snow's filling in that kind of like roll down four two five safety. Those are definitely deep under the radar. Players. Evan went deeper than I would have. You went very deep. I, did. I would have went with uh, like Cal Halliday or Angelo Gross. Both. You I know, think. under the radar, you see those players. It's, often, you don't yeah. really see the production. I think national-wise, you know, they are probably under the radar players to us fans. Hotel, motel, how Halliday in. Under the radar player <laughs> and the sugar weasel, those are my two that would that came to mind. Um, Connor Hayward, maybe. I'll let you guys both, since you guys are six and zero. What is each of your favorites uniform combos? Since there's so many, Evan, you can lead. Uh, Western Kentucky Gruff Sparty uniform combination, the white green white at home under the lights look pretty sweet. I like the uh, Northwestern combination. I believe it white was. white green white white green with the script state helmet. Only reason I didn't pick those is because I want the script state to be a lot bigger. I would say, yeah, it definitely needs to be bigger, but great first product. I'm going to say my answer for when they break out the neons this year. I'm going to say when they break out the all black under the lights against Michigan on October 30th for Halloween. That's no way to happen. I don't think that's Um I do think that we're going Stormtrooper helmets at Indi- or Stormtrooper unis at Indiana. Favorite play of the season? You guys can both give one uh, I went more most important play of the season. L- loser. Uh, Jane Reed's punt return against Nebraska was. Uh, if he doesn't return that, this season might be going a lot differently. Uh, my favorite play, I recency bias. I'm doing Kenneth Walker's 94 yard touchdown against Rutgers solely because, um, well, one, race because it broke the record. Two, he's an electric. And three, I called the play um, after the punt went to commercial break and. Luke and Jason was watching the game with, I said, can I just have a please Kenneth Walker 95-yard touchdown run or Jaden Reed flea flicker 95 yards? That's what Luke said, and uh, I got mine. Fun fact, not the longest run of Kenneth Walker's career. Wow. 96 at Wake as a freshman. Wow. Wake gave him up. Unbelievable. The only uh, asterisk I'd put, and I know I, we, I guess we could have – easily gotten him in if we did best special teams player. I would think there's some argument to be made for making Jane Reed the best offensive player over Thorne, but I understand Thorne, quarterback is such an important position. Uh, without Thorne, Jane Reed's not having the seasons he's having. I don't know. I think Rocky could have hit Jane Reed on some of these with how open he is. Jane Reed gets open. Nope. I refuse to believe that. So, Well, you're you're wrong then. Okay. Go, wa- go watch Rocky against Toledo this week. Rocky hit Rocky R- Rocky hit Ricky White in in game, so he could hit Jane Reed on some of these. Jane Reed's an offensive changing player. But again, I understand quarterback, very important position. Okay, now I had some big picture questions. You guys can sprinkle some in quickly here. These are more like Alex's where you just kind of say them. You can give minor explanation or none at all. I just want to check in with my friends here. Are we all as a group enjoying this season enough? Or, and I mean it like, 
not like a dog. Yeah, obviously it's fun to be six and zero. But like, do you find yourself nitpicking wins or you know not just soaking in the six and zero when, especially because the last year was so bad for both these programs? I'm finding it really difficult to soak it in. I don't know why. I'm like struggling to enjoy it. I'm just waiting for the bad because of the last. Few you're years. struggling to enjoy it because your expectations have changed after the first. Three it's weeks. really difficult. I, I still am not even on your debt. When we're this invested into a team, your expectations are going to change. If we're three and two right now, we're just praying we get to six wins to get a bowl game. Now we're six games in. We're bowl eligible. Expectations have changed. Everything we want is in front of us. It's weird. It's it's a weird feeling. It's something that Michigan State fans have not experienced in the four or five years. I'm trying to enjoy the best I can. And – a tangible moment I had to myself when Michigan beat Nebraska I was like, you know what? I haven't done it in a while. I'm going to go shotgun a beer and send it to my friends because I'm happy. I'm enjoying life at this very moment. It's something I did when my sport teams would win during quarantine. You know, you celebrate a big college basketball win, Butler, Michigan, you know, by a celebratory beer. I was like, Grant, last year was so miserable. Like, you think about laying on this very couch by myself watching Michigan get their doors blown off by Indiana after the Michigan State loss. Because personally, I was like, you know, they lost to Michigan State. It's a rival game. They were supposed to win. But I'm going to give them a chance against Indiana. Do you beat Indiana? No, they got blown out. How miserable that night was or when they got lost by like 25 to Wisconsin on national television in an empty big house. Like how depressing. Like I need to soak this in and enjoy it. And I don't think I soaked in and enjoyed the Wisconsin one as much as I should have. But I definitely enjoyed the heart attack that was Nebraska. So I'm going to do my best to enjoy it as much as I can. But it's going to be tough because Michigan plays a JV team in their next matchup, and then it's it's going to be hard to enjoy, I would say, the Michigan State game. Like, in the middle of it, it's going to be hell. And then after you either really enjoy it and tailgate, you enjoy it as much as you can. I think what I'm waiting for is the big win. I'm, I'm, I know I will definitely celebrate whatever happens, the big win, if you beat one of the big three teams in the East. That is what I think I'm looking forward to. Agreed. I'm still waiting. I think we've done a bad job of not just like laying ourselves. We're not appreciating what we've got, yes. what's done so far, because we're looking Like Miami's a big win. Wisconsin's a big win. Uh, who, Michigan, Both beat Rutgers. Can't get excited about it. Rutgers, fine. Nebraska. Like, I mean, Nebraska. Whatever. Gotta enjoy, we're already get there it's, enjoying it's those. The, it's the three teams in the East, and that's that's it. That's now, what we're looking to. So Evan already basically answered this, and I think we'd all agree the expectations have changed when we were looking back on the season. Are we as a podcast going to agree that when we do our season wrap that we're not going to utter the phrase, well, they won't, weren't supposed to be this good anyways? Is that excuse out the window? Are these teams established and like we're holding them to a top 10 in the country team standard? No. Yes. I say I will not say they will not. I will not utter the phrase. I promise you guys. Well, they will not utter that it. phrase. I will, I will say, not utter that phrase. I, I hate that we're ranked tenth right now. Hands up. I wish we were just unranked. I wish we could <laughs> come out. I don't like it for this team. I don't like it for all the Michigan State fans on Twitter because they're petty and then we're just fighting back and forth with Michigan fans. I hate that we're ranked, but expectations have changed, and I will not say well we weren't supposed to be that good. My expectations definitely have changed. I would just say that I need to still see it against one of those three teams. I, I'm always going to think that we should beat the teams we've beaten so far. That's that's just, you know, that was an expectation. I think I said we would be 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh at this point anyways. So it still just comes down to those three games. Because we could lose all three and then we're 9-3, and three and that's still better than expected. So I'm not going to say they weren't supposed to be good. 9-3 is still very good. So if they go... 
let's get in the weeds. If they go 9-3 and lose the big three, is it going to be a, I'm disappointed that this 6-0 team did not pull off an upset, or maybe they'll be favored in the 30th matchup, but did not win one of those games? It's going to depend on how those games yes. go. If you get blown out in all three of them, I would be very disappointed. If you lose yeah, on some looking at two of the games that you you want to win, you should win one of them. You should win one of them. I would be disappointed. Okay, there we go. We, we, we yanked it out of them. We've been able to win one of them in yeah. down years. You should be able to win one this year. I love that. So I'm saying from my eye test what I've seen, they definitely should win one of them, I would say. I mean, obviously anything can happen where they do you lose, could all, lose three. all three. Michigan could you lose could all three. You could somehow win all three. You don't... You, it's a crapshoot. We'll see. Now, we already answered the Michigan best QBRB. Shout out to us for working that in. Um, this is, again, some people might say this is an obvious question, the answer, but I was thinking, like, maybe we need to just answer the obvious question sometimes so people out there that think differently than us at least know how we feel. So I pose the question, has Jim Harbaugh done enough already, 6-0, to come back next year guaranteed? No. Yes. Wow. I say and no. it's not. It has nothing to do with the product on the field. It has everything to do with the coaching hires that he made. And this might sound stupid, team. but I think he completely saved his job by hiring well, your defensive coordinator, your brand new defensive coordinator. Yeah. I think I feel like those. I feel like those players trust the new system and have energy, no matter what. Like their front four looked very good against Nebraska. On your point, I, I, think, I think it's completely different defense going forward with now that they have a. Don Brown's a very good coach, but he wouldn't, he was stubborn. stubborn in the thing, the way that he did things. And I think now this guy is adaptable. And then NFL, there's no stubborn coaches on the defense side because you have to adapt week by week. And I think Harbaugh saved his job solely by hiring him. Damn, that's a great point. I mean, because now I'm thinking, like, obviously, usually when head coaches go, the whole staff goes. But, like, if someone was like, let's say, let's say they lose the big three games, let's say it's nine and three. Let's say it's 10-3, they win a bowl game. It's 10-3, but you lose to Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. And you're Close. like... Close? Yeah. That matters. You get blown out by Ohio State again, there's going to be questions. Let's say it's within a... It's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter at some point. 10-3, I... Harbaugh State. But it's like... But even like that, you make a good point. It just sucks how college football is. It's like, I would want Harbaugh gone at that point because I think the whole, like mentality needs to change at the top, but I don't want the assistants to leave. Like I like which they probably would. It's like, are you just gonna bring in a head coach that's gonna keep McDonald, Clean Scale, Bellamy, and Hart? What could happen is Michigan could hire within. Could hire from within and Mike Hart's now the head coach of Michigan football. Whoa, I wouldn't go him. But uh whatever. I think the, for a while in, in I, I the would, biggest I would reason that if we're gonna do that, I would take him as the head coach if that if I had to promote that's early. But anyways I would say the one reason that you could say he's done enough is just the culture is has massively shifted. I mean, this team like looks like they're having fun. Do you know they're dancing around on the sideline? They're bought in. It's something I haven't seen in a while. You don't and, have any bad energy on the sideline. Like you don't have you don't have Joe Milton at halftime because you're not playing. Telling everyone he's going to drop fifty on you next year for a different team. Shout out Joe Milton. And to be honest, I can see. Jim Harbaugh doesn't really have his hand in that much to say on defense and offense. And he has a little to say on offense a little bit more, but defense, I think he can say something on a defensive coordinator and bounce back vice versa. You know what? I actually think I was thinking about this. Someone made a point that there might be the biggest tip that Jim Harbaugh really has stepped away even more so on offense. And I think is you don't see no fullback being 
touted around in Michigan anymore. And I feel like even if they didn't have a Ben Mason type, they would have found a way to make a kid into a Ben Mason. Because they've had a – like, remember, like, Khalid Hill, like, just these big bruisers they love to put out there that, like, don't really have a place in modern football. Don't need them. So that's good at least. But, yeah, I mean, Evan makes a great point. It's like I, I definitely don't think he's done enough to come back. But, like, he, in a way you could argue with the hires he has because, like, the assistants are – have so far through six games have been rock stars. So it's like if you're losing them because of Harbaugh, then it's like the trade-off. So that is a, like a really good thing to ask yourself if you're a Michigan fan. If you lose to Northwestern in two weeks, everything is completely different. Fire upon loss. It, it's almost impossible to lose to Northwestern. It's almost it really is. That would be that'll be the only time this season where I go that, full on fire head coach upon. That loss. would be wor- that would be worse than losing to Appalachian State, probably. Dude, I wouldn't be shocked if Northwestern was like, "Yo, we got COVID, we're not showing up," and boom, it's a forfeit, and Michigan just wins automatically. That's just dawning We haven't had any in the Big Ten. Like, COVID's over, Grant. Right. You, you simply just don't test, so you don't have to forfeit. Um, did anyone think of any? Anyone have any other? Um, we'll do the must-win meter for a national game later. That yeah, I have a question. Does anyone, yeah, any other questions here in the court Q2 report? Well, no. Was, never mind. Too obvious. Oh, Alex asked me an interesting question. I want to see your opinion, Evan. So the, I think the best way to phrase it is he, well, he basically was getting to the crux of the question. Who's better, Peyton Thorne or Cade McNamara? And I told him Peyton Thorne. I would say. But barely. Through, and I said, but not by like a massive gap. I would. This is what I would say. I said, and here's how I phrase it. If – it, let's say Michigan was playing Ohio State like next week or I don't know, any of the weeks left. Like where both teams are kind of at now. They're both playing their best football in a sense. And let's say the spread is minus seven and a half with Cade on Michigan. If you put Peyton Thorne as the quarterback of Michigan, like pretending he knows the system and that talent he's been on the team, what does the spread then move to? I'd probably go as low as like five and a half. That's exactly what I said. I said he's like a putting Peyton Thorne on Michigan is probably like will swing you like two points in a match. But I think like two that. points is a, a it pretty is. substantial. Yeah. No, yeah, it obviously is because seven and a half it means you're, you're a, more than a touchdown favorite, but you get underneath that now it's lenient. Depends on who's home. You kind of give the home team automatically like a three point advantage. So I think it's. A, I think this could be a spicy take. I think Peyton Thorne's significantly better than Cade McNamara. I think by a lot by a lot. Like you think that spread would turn to two and a half. I wouldn't go that extreme, but like three and a half, four and a half. I think he's a lot better. And so, I think uh, three like, points is a really I, I, I do think he's a lot better, but if we're talking about spread wise, I don't I think spreads are hard, you know. You I know, do think playmakers are different on Michigan State. I think well. his arms gifted. He's gifted more and he can move a little bit better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because if you put Cade in Michigan State's offense, I don't know if he's executing. I think we would struggle. I don't know if he's hitting the same yeah. deep balls. I don't know if – then. but if you put in Peyton in Michigan's offense, I don't know if his full talent's going to be shown. He might look like Cade McNamara just because of what they're asking Cade to do. Right. True. We also don't know what Cade would look like if they just let him throw the ball 50 times. So we have no idea. I also made a nice point too as well. I, I could see Michigan fans shaking their fists right now. I just say the obvious uh, obvious thing as well. Like what Alex touched on is like Michigan State's skill players are also phenomenal as well. And they give you better – significant some more, some more separation on their deep routes. So that could help yes. a quarterback as Michigan well. doesn't have a – Jaden Rainer, Jalen Naylor. Yes, Michigan State has a better chance if you throw a 15-yard pass to break it for a touchdown. Than, oh, you had a 75-yard pass, but no, I really threw the ball 15 yards. It helps your playmakers make a difference. Q2 question, barring injuries, obviously. 
let's hope everyone's healthy as we get through the rest of the season. Does Kenneth Walker make a trip to New York City for the Heisman ceremony? No injuries? I don't think he does. Really? It's Michigan State. It, I don't think he does. It's still because of national media. Not if Christian McCaffrey national. can't like win the thing, then I don't think a Michigan State running back will be able to be there. I feel like Buzz is growing, guys. It's, it's, yeah, it's, currently, because we like Michigan State football just now jumped on the bandwagon, you're not seeing like the movement for it. But throughout the rest of the year, I feel like it's 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 a quarterback's race. And I absolutely think if he continues and he's healthy the rest of the year, he would deserve to be in New York. I just even if we were nine and three, say eight and four, worst case scenario, you know, and he still ends up the nation's leading rusher, I think he absolutely deserves to be there. But it's Michigan. We, I've never seen a Heisman candidate in my life at Michigan State. Plaxico Burris and Charles Rogers had unbelievable seasons. They weren't even not even considered. So I don't, I don't see it. You're not. We're not going to get the national love that if if the same thing was happening at Michigan. Yeah, I would say yes. Thanks. It's the brand, and if it's not a quarterback, you need the massive brand backing it, and we do not have that. Okay, my last one. I think the best way to phrase this is like, both teams are in the top ten now. I'm going to rattle off the other teams accompanying. Michigan, Michigan State in the top 10. And you're going to tell me if in a matchup against that team, we can do a neutral side if you guys would like. That's probably like a bowl, bowl game maybe, atmosphere. Um, is it a coin flip game at the minimum or like greater than 50% chance that Michigan or Michigan State beats this team? Okay. Are we talking about the current teams currently that they have rostered right now? Yeah. Okay. Alabama. No. No way. Alabama. No chance. We're talking about both teams or just like our both, I think, don't have a both. You can do both. Both under 50% chance of winning. Both Alabama's a loss. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, you're just saying below 50 50, which I agree. Yeah. Georgia. Below 50 50. No. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a 80 20 chance. That's a 20% chance you win that game. Georgia's superior than everybody else. Iowa. 50 50. 50 50 chance. I agreed. I go 50 50 for both. Net the offense isn't scary. Penn State, no. 50-50. Almost, I would say above 50-50. Ah, uh, Penn State's without Clifford is darn good. Well, if it's without Clifford, I would say it's 80. I mean, if it's without Clifford, then you would just... 50-50. I would go as far as 80-20, the way they, they couldn't move the ball. Let's <laughs> get Iowa. 60-40. Uh, Oklahoma with Caleb Williams. 45-55. in favor of Oklahoma. Uh, I would say 55 in favor of Oklahoma. I'll call it a 50-50 simply because I think that our teams, the state of Michigan, could hang with them points-wise in the sense that, like, it also could change the game flow and really milk some long phone booth drives against them and shrink the game. Maybe. Cincinnati? Above 50-50. But, but very under the radar, very talented team. They are a good football team. I'm still like just Cincinnati gonna... shows up. Their quarterback is better than probably only three other quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, Cincinnati fans or stands, national stands, are just in our butts on TikTok. I'll say 50-50, but deep down, I think it's 60-40. I mean, you're a group of five team. 55-45. <laughs> um, Ohio State. Under 50. 
for both still. I'm not, not even close to it. It's 70-30 in favor of them. I'll flip-flop like a pancake like the seasons. I'll say it's not. It's less than 50-50 even though last week I was saying I expect Michigan to win. It's, if they it's play not looking attainable. They just they did what they should do against Rutgers and Maryland, and now I'm starting to think they're running the form, but I still have a close eye on C.J. Stroud. Their uh, defense is getting not as good. Better every game. But th- they can score with anybody in the country, and their wide receivers are the most talented in the country. So. It's going to be tough to win a game 50-49. to 49. And then lastly, I'll go Oregon. Uh, I say 60-40 in our favor because they lost their best offensive player and their second-best defensive player due to season-long injuries. I'm also going 60 Did not know that. Oregon's quarterback is not that great either. I'll go 55-45. 45 Oregon. You're way higher on Oregon than I would expect. I didn't know that about the injuries, but... Their leading rusher running back, C.J. Verdell's out for the season, and their starting safety led the team in tackles or second on the team in tackles out for the season. They lost to Stanford. They haven't looked impressive since the Ohio State game. Copy that. I'll keep my eye on them. Um, All right. So now we'll switch to you guys. There's only one game to preview this week. Michigan's going to try to win the bye week. Uh, so hopefully that goes well for them. MSU minus three and a half traveling to Bloomington, Indiana. Probably going to be a beautiful fall day on their beautiful campus. Over under 51 and a half. That is not a Big Ten football buffet. That's a little That's a little excitement in a, in a matchup. What are you guys' thoughts going into this game with the Hoosiers? I just did a deep this film study. Oh, go ahead first. No, let's go ahead. <laughs> I just did a deep film I just study. Did a deep film study on Indiana. I watched uh, some games they played successful and in some games they did not. Um, I felt like watching that Indiana has better. I feel like their comparison is Rutgers, but they have better playmakers. Um, they have a tight end that is going to cause us problems. I have a bad feeling about it. And then they also have some receivers that are uh, significantly better than what Rutgers was dealing with. Quarterback wise, he it was uh he's he's not that great, Michael Penix. He's also injured. He might not even play. He's out indefinitely. He's out. He's well. When he came out to injury last week, he said he was out indefinitely. He might try to play. I'm not worried about him. I thought he looked bad against Michigan State last year when we played him, and our team was terrible. He threw a couple picks. Um, there. Yeah. I think overall, my biggest thought is that Michigan State is uh still talent superior to Indiana and they should still win this game. The environment in Indiana has been rowdy this year. That could be our first big uh, rowdy road environment if they get up for their noon homecoming game. No. Another homecoming game, by the way, for Michigan State to travel to. This is not two in a row. Um, So teams thought they were going to schedule us for their homecoming and win easily. Not looking that way anymore. And then my last final thought is when I watched back the Cincinnati game, which Indiana was leading most of that game, and then Cincinnati ended up pulling away late, uh, it looked like they exerted everything they had in that game, and then they followed up with Penn State and did score a point. So they look burnt out. They're, uh, they came off the glorious, magical season, and now they're, uh, they're just not used to losing. And I, I don't see Indiana bouncing back after the bye week. I'm not predicting yet. I need Evans' hard-hitting analysis. I am still nervous about this game. Um, this is a hate Tom Allen podcast. I absolutely hate him. I think he's an overrated coach. Um, but I think they're talented enough to give us problems. I don't like going down there at noon. Um, I like a little bit better that Penix isn't playing. He could be playing. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's not. He's out indefinitely. He's not playing. We'll find okay, out if he does play. Right. If he does play, hammer the over that he's thrown in interception because it's gonna happen. He, I would just say on that point, he is a terrible decision maker. Out indefinitely. Out indefinitely is like the most scary sounding thing that actually means nothing that's thrown around with injuries. It just means like you're <laughs> out definitely. You're an unspecified amount of time. I would also say if he is playing a little banged up, he's not that great. Anymore. Who's their backup? Anyone know? I was looking that up. Currently, it's loading. I got to love ESPN, you know. Can I – my only thoughts on this game, I'm just trying – I'm a big visual guy. I didn't look at the stats for this. My only concern for a Michigan State fan would be if – I don't know how good their defense is. It's, it's, obviously, not, it's not that great. It's obviously not atrocious. It's not that great. Penn State missed a lot of throws against them. Okay. But Cincinnati was okay. Cincinnati put 30-something. That's not bad. As long as you're not giving up 40 bombs to people. My only... Cincinnati was asleep in the first half. Okay, so you're saying Indiana's defense is the worst defense in the Big Ten? What are you saying now? I'm, I'm just saying, saying their defense is Here we go. I got the, the stats runners. for you. Here we go. Points allowed per game. Indiana's averaging 28.2. Giving up. That's and they're only atrocious. scoring 23 per game. Um, Asterix, they scored six points against Iowa. They scored zero points against Penn State. Okay, but Big Ten opponents. Um, they're only averaging 122 on the ground, only 222 in the air. But they're only giving up 128 on the ground and only giving up 223 in the air. It's not atrocious. I, I looked at, I watched their defense. Cincinnati scored 10 points in the first half and then scored at will in the second half. Okay, so you're saying Alex is down. And has- their, Rutgers, their defense is no better than Rutgers. And Michigan State had no issues moving the ball against them. That's what I say. That, that is what I'll say. I'm basically just trying – my whole point was that I don't think Michigan State's going to hang 40 in this game. I think they could. Okay. Well, I'll, again, I'm going to try to get through this, get to the point. I'm trying to make – I was like, the only thing that made me nervous as a Michigan State fan is that I can envision a game where Indiana's offense is non-existent except for a few, like, 50 to 40-yard bombs to Hendershot and Freifogel, who are two – Solid receivers in the big uh, time. They have another receiver that was kind of stealing the show over Fry for a Okay, so throw him in as well. So the what, what I would envision is like these tough contested catches over Michigan State's weakest link on defense, the cornerback position, where they just drive you crazy. It's like why can't why can't we stop this? And they're just you know even mossing people. Like that's what it's going to take from Indiana. It's going to have to be one of those like hit big shots and get chunk plays, and that's how they stay in this game. Other than that, I don't really see how it's much of a game. Uh, yeah. I don't think they don't have, like, that Stevie Scott kid who's just going to run down your throat. They have some talent. They have decent players. We stole Mike Hart. They don't have They're not phenomenal in the trenches. They don't get a lot of push on offense. They don't get a lot of push on defense. Their linebackers are good. I'll give them that. They're slow, but they're good. I guess it comes down to how good is this backup quarterback. I mean, their, de- their defense alignment is leading their team to tackles. So, three sacks. There's a guy named – that's the only guy that's passed. His name is Jay Tuttle. Not, Jack Tuttle. Jack Tuttle was – So, eight for 1,868 yards. He has a touchdown and interception on the year. 44% completion percentage. I yep, he's a uh, <laughs> junior from California. 6'4". Big guy. Price low. But good QB rating. I don't know how that works with a bad com- – he's 130 QB rating with bad completion percentage. So, I don't, I don't really know what this QB rating stuff's about. That's not really surprising. 
His longest pass is 76 yards. That probably, probably boosted bomb. quite a bit. All right. Yeah, so if it's if they're hitting those downfield, then, then it could be a little scary. But I don't I don't know. I guess we get into predictions and must-win meters. Must-win sure. meter. Let's start with that. Must-win meter. It is a... It's a must-win because everything's in front of you. If you want the sexy matchup on Halloween weekend, it's a must-win. They're an inferior opponent, so it's a must-win. You have to win for the podcast. You have you're to. more talented. You're 6-0. You can't be sleepwalking. Must-win game. It's a must-win, and anyone on TikTok that's like, chill out with all these must-wins can kiss me. It's a must-win <laughs> must game. game. You don't lose. Hey, Loki, those TikToks have been getting a lot of like, I know. 25K. Yeah. We our account. Some interactions and everything. Oh, lots you, of comments. If you want, if you want to be a part of the cesspool of college football debates, it resides on must-win meter TikToks from Shot of Michigan Sports. A lot account. of people just go after. Spicy it. opinions come on there. A lot of arguments with Michigan, Michigan State fans, and some Ohio State fans pop in there. But like Indiana is. <laughs> Indiana is a basketball school, and they're not even a good basketball school. They had one fluke COVID year where they look good. You're playing Tom Allen, a hated coach by Evan. Like, you, you have to win this football game. And anyone's like, oh, well, it's only a three-and-a-half-point spread. Again, kiss my ass. You have to win this football the game. The three-and-a-half-point spread also, like, records was five. And I didn't like that either. No, you hated that. You saw right through that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Vegas always knows. No, they don't. This is another <laughs> point where Vegas does not always know. <laughs> Um, That's why you hammer it early before it rises, like Evans done the last two weeks. Yep. I I definitely think that is a poopy spread. I will take Michigan State 34, Indiana 18. Uh, I'll give you the must win meter. Let's see. Calculate how many points we're going to score. I'm going to go Michigan State. State 31, Indiana 20. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, the coaching is going to get cleaned up. Not going to have a slow start. There's not as many bars to hit in Bloomington the night before. <laughs> no. Uh, the coaches and all the players are going to clean this up. 38-17. And I think they're going to cruise start to finish. Wow. So score on the are you going to go score on the first touch of possession? They will score a touchdown on the first drive. Oh, 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 scripted plays. Jay Johnson, good night of sleep. Yeah, they'll have it figured out. Okay. Now to close out the show. The Bungles and the Lions. Our favorite team nickname, the Bungles. Battle of the Jungle. Ah. The Bungles and the Lie Downs. Ah. The Bungles come to town. Hey, uh, speaking there. of the Bungles, so I don't know, guys. Again, Lions previews. There's no juice. I'll tell you this to your face right now. This is a must win. And if you're like, Grant, I know a five-team game, a must win. Kiss <laughs> If you don't win this game, 0-17 is a real possibility. And I'm worried they're not going to win this game because Cincinnati did just come off. They took Green Bay to the brink, right? Did they win? They, were, they lost. They oh, were. lost. It was an all-you-can-miss buffet on field goals. <laughs> Five missed field goals in the last two minutes. OT. Joe Burrow or Jared Goff? Not even Joe close. Burrow. All right, not even close. Yeah, that one's not even close. I might buy a Joe Burrow jersey. <laughs> guy's awesome. Joe Mixon or DeAndre Swift? Swift. I don't know. Mixon's a unit. They're probably like the same guy, but probably Swift just a little bit. 
Jamar, I'll take, I'll take Younger. Jamar Chase or Khalif Raymond? I'll take Khalif Raymond. Tough one there. Khalif Raymond for sure. <laughs> um, what's any any ideas on the spread of this game? Not that it really matters. There wasn't one when I looked. Bungles got to be like two. two I would say five and a half. Home in Detroit. Like Bungles got to be two and a half point favorites. No, I'd go. Four and a half. Oh, I'm gonna go Bengals. Yeah, I'll go four and a half. Really? I like four and a half. I'll go Bengals five and a half just to spice it up. <laughs> um, I don't really have any keys to the game, or I mean, I'm just gonna repeat. Figure out a way to get Hawkins in the ball. You Swift earlier in the game. I mean, we're just a broken record. <laughs> um, maybe. Will I watch? That's the biggest question. Like Evan said, spread, spread it out. Stop doing play action things where Jared Goff has to be mobile. Um, on a later podcast, we can do our Alex was asking me like who quarterbacks that are more or least mobile than Jared Goff in the league and how low does he rank? That could be a fun exercise. He's five later, later in the year of starting quarterbacks. Um, you've gotten to the point where will you watch the Lions game? Are they a watchable product? Yeah, they're watchable. They they fight. They're gritty. This game today stunk like. <laughs> <laughs> but with that all being said. Up with 37 seconds left. So, I don't know. Must win meter for me is uh, expecting to lose. No. Can we go? Yep. You don't even yep. post the Lions must win what's the What's the least one? Like, the Lions? Anymore? It's expecting to lose, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's me down there on the bottom. Ex- I'm in the safe area. <laughs> I'll be expecting to lose said football game. I'm hoping that DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson have massive games. For the team, of course, not for any other reason than that. I hope it's a high-scoring affair and, like, T. Higgins might have four touchdowns. That'd be kind of cool. I would be all in for two. He might play. Yeah, here's a fun thing for um, anyone that wants to watch Lions games. A key tip to make it more enjoyable, like me, I started five Minnesota Vikings today in fantasy football. Find the other team, (laughs) play their defense, play their kicker, play their backup kicker. (laughs) Just put all your chips on the other team. And then it's, you can, yeah, well, it wasn't all And bad. if you're just a Lions fan in general, play fantasy football because that's all you have. Sure. Um, but, guys, seriously, though, if, if you're expecting to lose the Bengals, I go back to the question, 0-17, more on the table now? Like, wh- where's you're the win? You're not going to lose 17 games. Where's we the are win? going to predict wrong one. Our, the Lions coach is crying after five. Where's the win coming? It's coming. I told you it's coming. I said you will be an NFC North team. Probably the Bears. Probably. Great, I mean, you're not going to lose 17 games in a row. Didn't the Bears, didn't the Bears walked into Las Vegas today Las Vegas and dropped their fraudulent. They have – their coach is under a lot of stress right now, okay? Guys, I'm actually worried about Jared Goff's health when we play the Bears round two after what I saw Roquan Smith do to several grown men today. And I was just about, thinking about how Evan saw him in a bar, and I would be so nervous to even walk around that man. <laughs> you should be pretty nervous that when Jared Goff has to go against Aaron Donald, and he murders him over and oh, over. Oh, it's in LA. It's over. Up too. And over. And over. If Frank Ragnall's not playing that game. R.I.P. to the backup center. He's dead. We have a backup right tackle that played defensive tackle in college. We have a backup center. And Suicide is the worst $10 million of all time. Is Sewell going to go back? To, he's back to right he's tackle now, right? Because he hasn't looked as good left tackle. Going back to right. And Decker should be back soon, right? We're trading Decker. Do it. All right. Get his contract off the book. <laughs> no, we've hit all time well. <laughs> thrown in the towel. All right. How about we just get Justin Herbert? Let's trade our whole team. Could have. And let's had a chance to. 
Um, I have. I was, I, I was. I was there. I said Justin Herbert would be better than Tua of college. I did say I wanted a quarterback, not Jeff Okuda. I missed that. I said Tua, but my idea of drafting a quarterback was correct in that draft. But oh well, we're going to draft predictions. We're drafting. Game, we're drafting Malik girls. Willis. <laughs> no. Shut up, Evan. Look at Greece. Come on, give me someone fast and exciting. Um. Lion, no. Uh, Stop. Bungles. This one's going to be a crazy game. Oh, stop. Bungles, 38. Lions, 35. Bungles, 97. <laughs> Lions, negative 8. Bungles, what are you guys? 35. Lie downs, 21. I'll go uh, Bungles, 31. Lions, 21. I think the Lions are going to make the must-win graphic this week just because of... Grant, have you watched the season? We go close game, blowout, close game, blowout. Close game! No, but they're going to make the must-win meter graphic because we don't have another team to put on it. Except we are going to do one... Sorry, one special thing for... The TikTok fans are requesting... I'm going to make a customized TikTok for one of our diehard fans who said, I know you guys... Or a Michigan sports podcast. Gee, what gave you that hint? <laughs> um, but could you ever do a must win for like the big national game of the week? Because I think it'd be in- they said they think it'd be interesting. Now, I don't really know the logistics of this. Do we just pretend like we're fans of one of the teams and say what we would think it would be for their program? Let's just predict a national game. How about that? No, I want to do the must win meter. There's not that many games. I know. I this is Nike balls. Let's go Kentucky, Georgia. Does, this, does this kid have one? And let's pretend to be Kentucky. Let's go Kentucky, That's Georgia, easy. and pretend to be Kentucky. Kentucky is just expecting to lose. No. Yes, you expect to go lose. a different direction. Fire upon loss. <laughs> what? If you're, Games stink like schneid. If you're Georgia, then you lose. Let's go Miami, North Carolina, and be Miami fans. Oklahoma State's ranked 12th. They haven't lost. That could be a good game. All right, Oklahoma State, Texas, as Texas fans. Also, guys, it's a big new kickoff. Are we in the Are we in the trust tree? What have you guys been seeing? What Xavier Worthy's been doing at Texas? I don't really care. He's balling. He had a game at Oklahoma against Oklahoma. He did. He did fumble a kickoff that cost him like kind of like moment. And then he came back and scored a sick touchdown and flexed on everyone in the stadium. Yeah, but he is balling. Did he commit to Michigan? Is this why yeah. you're saying? What yeah, doing? and uh, it was. There's rumors that uh, our former recruiting coordinator, who got a new job in Mississippi State, may have been sneakily asked to leave, messed up um, enrollment numbers and like recruited too many kids, and so they turned him away. Or there was also rumors that he wanted to early enroll, and his um, high school credits did not transfer because Michigan's academic programs are so stingy and would not let him in. And he's like, "All right, well, screw this, Sarks." From Alabama, he was, he was either Alabama or Michigan. Sark got the Texas job and said, "You know, what? I'll go to Texas instead of Michigan because Michigan won't let me early enroll." And boy, does it feel terrible! I'll tell you that watching him play, he's so good. He's he's like you just see kids, you see like just athletes on the field, and then you just see him. I know Alex, I'm, I'm going on too far, but it's it's depressing. Anyways, we'll go from the perspective of Texas. You just lost a devastating Red River game devastating Red River game, and you're hosting Oklahoma State. What are you guys thinking? Big noon kickoff again. 
Big noon kickoff. Ouch. Texas, it is a must-win neither for Texas. Year one of Steve Sarkeesian. True. I was going to go fire pun loss. However, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a must-win, and it is not on the line, but it's – at least more than halfway towards like fire somebody upon. Loss. I'm saying fireball boy upon loss. Wow, you can't and keep you're creeping back and then never be coming back. Yeah, so really, if you're Texas, you don't have an actual legitimate win this year. Um, you got blown out by Arkansas, and you blew a game against Oklahoma. It's going to be tough to bounce back against Oklahoma State, but it's a must win. You got you got to put something on the board because then you're just playing Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, Kansas State. Those are easy wins. Potentially, oh, that was really it's good. Not easy, but like if you win that, it's not like oh, like Texas is like good. Like it's just like they beat. I don't know. Oklahoma State perspective uh, must win, but then again, sure. they just cruise under the radar. I don't give a single poop about them. <laughs> but their uniforms are sweet. Yeah, great uniforms. Great uniform matchup. This game is all right. That's the show. Shout out that mess with everything now. Thanks to Alex changing the TikTok to it. Like we said, we plugged it. Get your graphics, interact with us, like the photos, whatever you want to do. I don't care. Just do something. Shout out MS. Retweet, like. Comment. Comment. I like comments. Start a debate. They make Say a something day. egregious. They make work days go by faster. How to listen. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, it's all audio only, but wherever you want to listen on those three, go ahead and do so. Please rate and review. Leave a review. Five stars. Send the link to a friend. Whatever you'd like to do. Discuss it. Um, and then... Again, questions like we did with the uh, Q2. You could, if you have any questions like that about anything, send them, DM them, ask them in replies of tweets or whatever. Just be like, hey, I had thoughts on this. Our, uh, like uh, our Instagram comment from Jack asking if the Lions secondary is the worst in the league. We'll get to it. We'll answer it. So just let us know. Um, with all that being said, oh, also, again, obligatory plug. We do have merch still available on C-O-D-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com, codesapparel.com. Uh, Woodshed merch, shout out Michigan sports merch, other area code Michigan merch, potentially more. Buy some merch. Coming variety merch down the pipeline. Merch. Uh, we'll see what we'll, we'll see what's in the works. Anyway. Joe Burrow merch after this week. Okay. <laughs> With all that being said, cheers to episode forty-one. And my side cheers is I'm getting excited butterflies to see Kate Cunningham play regular season basketball. And we don't talk about them on the podcast, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Cheers to hockey being back next week. To Lucas, Red Wings. To Lucas Raymond. Yeah, he better be making the Red Wings. I don't have a cheers, I guess. You guys did a great job. Cheers to those. <laughs>